When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Daniel, 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 Daniel. Daniel, Daniel. That is very fitting, Ben. Very fitting. Very good morning, Ben Francis. Very good morning, New Zealand. Very good morning to everyone listening, no matter where you are. It's bang on 10 a.m. This is the Saturday session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Well, normally, uh, I think Grant's flights uh, coming back uh, from a, a week away uh, were delayed. So you're stuck with me. And Ben Francis, good morning, Ben. Morning, mate. How are you? I'm great. And yourself? Oh, Fine week? Yeah, fantastic, especially after another fantastic Warriors win last night. That was kind of a wild game, wasn't it? The way they started, I thought they were going to utterly obliterate the Bulldogs. They have in the end on the scoreboard. But when Josh Adokar speeds away 80, 90 metres and, and brings it back to within, what, a, a kick of making it um, 18 apiece, uh, let's be let's be frank, Ben, you were panicking, weren't you? You were panicking. Well, I actually blame what happened on uh, my partner because we were sitting there and she said, oh, the Warriors are going to screw up here. And then literally that intercept pass was thrown. So I had to give her a couple of a death glares uh, for, for, <laughs> for a little while before uh, normal order resumed and the, and the Warriors pulled away late with some... Uh, very vintage uh, Sean Johnson runs and passes, and it was it was great to see. And especially just at the end there, they were running towards the the south stand there with all the fans there, and just to see them all running and jumping up and having a good time with them all there was just uh, fantastic. Yeah, they're, they're, he's certainly left a big imprint on the game, uh, J- Sean Johnson, with ball in hand. Um, you know, some lovely passes. Granted, there was uh, that uh, Adokar intercept. But I really enjoyed the attacking lines running off him or a little bit wider off him. And after the Adokar intercept, just five, six minutes later, let, let, let's make mention of this. The Warriors score another really nice try. Hard, hard, straight line, slightly against the grain of the defensive line. Saw them crash over just to the left of the post. Uh, and then they put the exclamation points on it with three tries in those final 10 minutes to sweep aside the Bulldogs. Congratulations to the Warriors. Also to the Black Caps too. They've had a very big win this morning. The first uh, T20 National against uh, the West Indies uh, was separated by just 13 runs and not the case in game number two this morning. I hope you've enjoyed our coverage here on SENZ. Uh, New Zealand walloping uh, the West Indies by 90 runs in that fixture. We'll get to that uh, shortly. Break that down a little bit uh, uh, further for you. Uh, not only an editor at large, our uh, news of the day, uh, but uh, we will be joined by uh, Mitchell McLenahan on the program a little bit later. Uh, we will uh, cross a variety of sports on the way through to one o'clock. Uh, but a big part of the show is, of course, you. We want you to join in. Our number is 0800 150 811. You can text double eight double three. 
uh, you can uh, contribute with uh, your reflections on the sporting week that has been. What awaits this weekend as his eyes get very big in his head and starts thinking about the All Blacks up against South Africa? Or you may want to make mention of your performance of the sporting week. Thanks to Sleep Drops, we have uh, a Sleep Drops uh, prize pack to give away for your uh, sporting performance of the week. Either just uh, text and double eight double three. Or give us a call on 0800-150-811 and nominate your sporting highlight of the week. I can't go past Aaron Gay. Uh, four Commonwealth Games gold medals, including on the road race uh, to start this week. Absolutely scintillating stuff. So hey, as far as my nominations, that's the first one I will throw out, but I'd love to hear from you on 0800-150-811. Uh, you may be screaming, what have you got on the show today, Daniel, other than uh, callers? Uh, well, we've got lots, and sure, we've got a, a very busy show for you uh, today. Uh, we certainly do hope you enjoy it, uh, despite the fact that uh, it is uh, just uh, uh, yours truly. Uh, coming up uh, shortly, in about 10, 15 minutes' time, uh, we'll look at the All Blacks up against South Africa. Campbell Burns, out of Rugby News, the editor of Rugby News, is going to join the program uh, to discuss uh, this uh, huge clash. The All Blacks v. The Box. Strange game now, isn't it? You know so much is riding on it, but how much is really riding on it? It's the rugby championship losing his, you know, two matches to South Africa and South Africa is painful enough, but it's 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 bizarrely not about all the All Blacks winning the rugby championship. It's about uh, a statement performance, about showing signs that they can improve, um, and more markedly so than last weekend. We were told by the All Blacks coach that it was their most improved performance of the year. Uh, yeah, it was their best performance of the year. Uh, for me, the standard's still not good enough. Yes, there, there were signs that are uh, moving in the right direction, but uh, still a long way to go. So looking forward to catching up with Campbell to get his thoughts on that game. So Campbell Burns to join us this hour. In the next hour, we will uh, preview the NBL Grand Final. Hugh Bainan from Sky Sports to join us to look at that one. Uh, the Otago Nuggets up against the Tuatara. Uh, that game tips off at 7 o'clock, and we've got live coverage of it right here on SENZ. So, baller fans out there, you will be uh, well looked after uh, as the marquee matchup of the New Zealand domestic uh, season uh, sees uh, the Tuatara up against the uh, Nuggets. So, uh, high in the north and low in the south are the two teams representing. Um, and, of course, SCNZ will be waving some Otago Nugget fans, I'm sure, uh, flags um, for, for obvious reasons. So, uh, Hugh Boehner to join the show about uh, quarter past 11. Also, in the 11 to 12 o'clock hour, Mitch McLennigan, as I mentioned, will uh, drop by to talk not only about the Black Caps um, uh, in the West Indies, but uh, the very big news during the week that uh, one uh, Trent Bolt has been released from his New Zealand cricket contract. Uh, his days not play for New Zealand are not over. He played this morning. He is still available for certain games. Um, that much has been made clear as to what those games are. That has not been made clear. Uh, but he is a true grade of New Zealand cricket. 33 years young now in the top 10 of our leading wicket takers in Test One Day Internationals and T20s. Uh, if we don't see him in a black cap uh, shirt all that often in future years, he will be missed for sure because he's a, a fine, fine bowler. So uh, Mitch McLennigan uh, from the Left Arm Angry Fast Bowlers Club is going to join us to talk about lovely Trenty. And then they ever called him lovely Mitchie, did they, Ben? And then they ever did that. Uh, whilst after 12 o'clock, our Saturday session Legends segment rolls on. Um, two wheels in our minds uh, this week, not only uh, after the splendid work of Aaron Gate, but the, the New Zealand cycling team overall. What a wonderful Commonwealth Games they did have. Uh, we're going to catch up with a man uh, who knows about competing at Commonwealth Games, Olympic medals, uh, winning Olympic medals. Uh, we cannot wait to welcome in uh, Hayden Ralston to the show at about quarter past 12 as uh, we look back at his uh, long storied career, I think, competing 
uh, at the top level for, what, a decade and a half, uh, retiring back in 2016. Uh, we will be joined by uh, Hayden Ralston a little bit later on the show. So there you go. There's a bit of a, a rundown um, um, as far as uh, who is on the show. We want to hear from you, though. 0800 150 811, the text double eight double three. Not only your Sleep Drops performances of the week, uh, one already coming through here. Agree with you, Ari Aaron Gate. The road race win won't ever get the credit it deserves. Uh, thank you very much, unknown texter. Uh, but let's uh, rip straight into it. Ben Francis is my boss and 2IC. No, notice I put Grant at the 2IC level when he's not here, Ben. It's very brave of me, isn't it? Well, we, Very brave of me. We actually let him off last week, so I think we should probably have a, have a few cheeky jabs at him for missing another show. And, and another... He's, he's blaming... Blaming logistics this time, isn't he? Oh, it's absolutely logistics. Ter- terrible, terrible. Using every excuse under the sun not to not to make an appearance on on his show, which he loves when he when he's on here. He loves saying, "Oh, my show, my show." I, I do find it a little bit suspicious when someone a week out from their flight rings you and tells you that uh, their flight's been changed. It's like, are you sure you just didn't make an incorrect booking, buddy? It's it's more the latter, isn't it, Ben? I'd say so. I, unfortunately, Grant hasn't got a, really a name which you can use as an excuse because I remember when I last went overseas quite a few years ago, I put on my ticket, I put Ben, but because my passport says Benjamin, they wouldn't let me on the plane. Really? Really. So I had to pay... Even for shortening your name? Yeah, I had to pay a few hundred dollars to get it changed and I literally just made the flight. All right, Benjamin. Well, make sure you've learned a very, very valuable lesson. That, that will not happen again. It won't happen again. Thank you very much, Benjamin. All right, let's have a ribbon of the news of the day as you ready yourself for your sporting weekend, your Saturday of sport. Uh, what we like to do at this uh, time is to discuss and unpack the key stories of the day. We call it editor at large. We'll probably add in our uh, totally unwanted uh, and sometimes unwarranted off-the-cuff opinion. So uh, let's go, shall we say. Uh, as mentioned, the Black Caps have been in the West Indies by 90 runs in the second T20 International at Kingston's Sabina Park. After an impressive knock of 76 by Glenn Phillips, the Black Caps reached a very big score of 215 for five from their 20 overs before reducing the West Indies to just 125 for the loss of nine. It was a putrid batting display, especially in the power play by the West Indies. Uh, at the one, at one stage, the Windies were 28 for the loss of five, but they managed uh, to finish strong. But the game really was over after about four or five overs of that run chase. Both Mitchell Santner and Michael Brace will finish with three for 15 off their four overs. Uh, collectively, six for 30 off eight overs. Um, if you get two bowlers delivering that, you're going to win uh, most games, if not every single one of them. Meanwhile, Trent Bolt has signed on for the new UAE-based International League T20, joining the Mumbai Indians Emirates side. Uh, what is this competition, you may ask? Good question. And really even heard about it until this week. And I've got my head around it. The inaugural uh, league will be played between the window of January 6th and February 12th. So you can uh, add that in to the, um, the line of what cricket will Trent Bolt play for New Zealand? That series will wrap up four days before the start of New Zealand versus England's Test Series, which uh, hits off at uh, Bay Oval on the 16th of February. Uh, back to the job at hand, editor at large as we move to the NRL, the Warriors powering home with three tries in the last six minutes to demolish the Bulldogs, 42 points to 18 at Mount Smart. Uh, Sean Johnson showed glimpse of, uh, glimpses of his old self, scoring a so- stunning solo try, 
setting up a couple others as the Warriors climbed, uh, sorry, claimed their sixth win of the NRL season. Uh, the final result was both their highest score and biggest winning margin uh, this year. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, Rabbitohs shut out the Eels, uh, pitched a shutout by 26 points to nil. Impressive uh, display from the Rabbitohs, who, of course, um, you know, put 48 points past the Warriors, I think, last week. So they've hit some good form. To boxing we go, and Tyson Fury has decided to walk away from boxing only three days after saying he was returning to the sport. Are you confused, Ben Francis? Benjamin? I am. I don't, I'm not sure if I, in fact, I'm not sure if I ever believe a boxer's retirement. Do you? Well, I think it's any combat sport, really, when someone says they're retired. They're never retired, are they? Like Floyd Mayweather said he's retired and he's come back and fought again. And, oh, I think, I think, I think it's one of those sports where probably money talks at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You might be right there. Uh, Fury turned 34 this week and posted a message on social media saying, quote, massive thanks to everyone who had an input in my career over the years and long, and after long, hard conversations, I've finally decided to walk away. And on my 34th birthday, I say bon voyage. Well, if this really is the end, congratulations, Tyrus and Fury, on quite a career. You've been a colourful character, to say the least. You've had serious ups and downs, not only inside the ring, but outside it. Uh, it's... Uh, I think it's fairly apt to say, and I don't think there's a big stretch when you say there's only one Tyson Fury. He is quite a character. So uh, whilst I have my doubts it will be the end, uh, we wish you all the best, if it is indeed. To rugby we go, and Hawks Bay have survived a desperate second-half comeback from Counties Monaco to retain the Ramfilly Shield by 33 points to 32. How was the heart rate monitors last night for both those two teams and their supporters? I'd imagine quite high. Uh, it also chalks up their first win of the National Provincial Championship season. Uh, they started strong and held a 22-point lead at half time, But the challenges didn't go away without a fight and clawed their way right back into um, the game and in a very, very challenging position. But a knock-on from a restart ultimately proved to be their facial blow in the Steelers' challenge. The next challenge is 27th of August. What's that? A couple of weeks away against North Harbour. To darts we go, and Kiwi Pua has become just the fourth New Zealand New Zealander to win a game on the World Series of Darts, staging a commanding 6-2 win over world number seven, Johnny Clayton of the Queensland Darts Masters. Let's go to our chief of darts correspondent, host of our fine darts program here on SCNZ. It just happens to be the superb producer of this broadcast. Um, how big a deal is this to the uninitiated Benjamin Francis? Well, I guess getting that, it's very rare for our guys to get opportunities on the st- on playing in front of the cameras against the world's best. So anytime they do get a win, it is, it's quite significant. You know, it always helps with the confidence levels and it really shows that New Zealand does have capable darts players. We've never had anybody on the pro tour, but a win like that will kind of give hope. I, he'll think, you know, I can, re- I can really give it a good crack if I get the opportunity. Uh, trying to, trying to get on the tour is the hardest bit, they, they say. And he's definitely got the capabilities of doing it. And he w- he played awesome. He's been in great form lately. And I reckon that he will probably get his tour card uh, in January next year. He, he should do. He's been he's been that good. And he's got a pretty exciting matchup next round, has he? He's been drawn. Oh, he's caught a final matchup against mighty Michael Van Gerwen, who had a bit of a scare in his game against uh, a young guy from Australia, Bailey Marsh, who was making his televised debut. Uh, he won that one 6-5. So uh, if you can beat uh, Van Gerwen, <laughs> that just really shows that he's capable of pushing it against the world's best. 
Yeah, indeed. Yep, quarterfinal against the three-time world champion awaits. The New Zealand Darts Masters takes place in Hamilton in two weeks' time. And if you want to get into the draw for a VIP package to the event, head along to our Facebook page. And lastly, as mentioned a little bit earlier, the Otago Nuggets will square off against the uh, Auckland Basketball Tuatara for the NBL title this evening. The Nuggets advancing to the National Basketball League final after um, ending the Nelson Giants run with a 89-74 win at Event Finder Stadium. The third seed Nuggets hosting the fifth seeded uh, Tuatara for the NBL crown later tonight. Full coverage right here on SENZ. Live commentary of the match from 7 p.m. There you have it, the uh, very latest uh, as far as uh, news this morning and overnight. We call it Editor at Large as we unpack all the uh, big sports stories of the day. And if you're just tuning in wondering what happened to the cricket, uh, New Zealand won by 90 runs, thumping the West Indies. We will take a short break. It is 16 minutes after 10 o'clock. We will look at South Africa. And the All Blacks up next with uh, Campbell Burns out of Rugby News. Stay with us. This is SENZ and the Saturday session on, what, the 13th already of August 2022. Stay with us. No Grant earlier this week. He is away. Ben Francis still with me, Daniel McCarty. We take you through to 1 o'clock. We've got a busy old show for you. We will open the lines after our next guest line. So you can be reached. You can reach us, rather, on 0800 150 or text us on double eight double three. But a huge game for the All Blacks and um, more likely the coaching team, you would say. Yes, I understand the Freedom Cup and crucial rugby championship points are up at for stake, uh, but it's not just about this one game, it's the totality of what we have seen over a long stretch, uh, New Zealand having lost eight test matches this decade, and what are we, we're only at the end of 2022, New Zealand lost 13 in all of the last decade, so it gives you an idea, over the last couple of years, uh, New Zealand certainly had some uh, major wobbles, one man who knows um, about uh, the struggles New Zealand has had, he's kept a very close eye on them, uh, does some fine work, uh, Rugby News, we're delighted to welcome back our two um, SCNZ, Campbell Burns. Great to speak to you again, mate. It's been, it's been so long, all of about six days, you and I caught up. Well, not Very even that. Good morning to you, Daniel. Yes, yes, it has, mate. It was only, uh, when was it? Monday night. <laughs> yeah, Monday morning. Where are you? Where are you at the moment? Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm not in South Africa. I'm uh, very much in Auckland. I'm, I'm at my... Uh, House in Auckland preparing for uh, three games of NPC this afternoon, a first 15 game, and then, uh, then of course, at 3am, although I don't think I'll be watching it live, just quietly, uh, the All Blacks. Crikey, that is a long day, my friend. That is a long day. And, and, if, and if if any of these games are like that Shield Challenge yesterday, you're going to have no fingernails. What, what an extraordinary game that was. <laughs> oh, it was, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a great comeback from County's Manukau. I mean, hey... You know, they showed some real gut there too, but they were down 33-18 with about five to play, and I thought the game was gone. And then, uh, yeah, the, the dancing feet of uh, of Atini Nanai Sichuro, uh brought them right back into it, and they were only one point down at the end. So uh, nervous times for, for Hawks Bay. How big is this test match for the All Blacks? Uh, I've tried to put it in the, in the context of what the team's out to achieve. Yes, Freedom Cup, Rugby Championship points... It, it, that, that kind of feels secondary, doesn't it, Campbell? It does. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, it was huge last week, um, and they, they, they failed the task then. So it's even bigger today because not only is Ian Foster's job on the line, one would think, but uh, if there's a change of regime, several players as well. So 
So that's going to affect uh, affect things, uh, one would think. Uh, so no, it, it is massive. The good news is that the All Blacks can't sink lower than fifth because Australia, even if they pump the Pumas, don't have enough ranking points. So the All Blacks could even go to fourth, I believe, in the world if they beat or, uh, or beat the Springboks or draw. So that's the good news. Uh, but we're all we're all looking for a better performance, and whether that's going to be enough to to win the game, um, we'll wait and see. Uh, but that's you know. If you if you put it in context, uh, you know the the the, uh, the pressure is always on the All Blacks, but even more so now that they haven't really fired a shot in the last four tests. Uh, we'll get to the nuts and bolts of the game itself, but what did you make of the changes? Is the All Blacks making some significant changes, especially up front? Uh, Ethan Groot, um, Tyrell Lomax came in their first starts of the year alongside. Uh, Takiaho in a, a greenish-looking front row. And boy, boy, what a cauldron awaits them at the cathedral that is uh, Alice Park and against a very good South African Type 5 who are, are unafraid to bring even the big boppers off the bench inside the opening half. That's right. Yeah, look, I, I, uh, I think probably three of those changes are steps forward. Uh, Ethan de Groot uh, deserves this chance. I mean, George Bauer hasn't gone too badly at loose head prop, but there's a, big, uh, there's a big chance there for de Groot. He's gone away and worked on things like conditioning, uh, but he's going to need all his scrummaging mouse um, up against Franz Malherb, who's in his 50th uh, test. On the other side of the scrum, Tyrell Lomax is a better scrummager than Angus Talvale, but he's not as good a scrummager as Fletcher Newell, who's coming off the bench. So I think there was a chance missed there to really to, to chuck uh, to chuck that young fella into the cauldron um, and, and, and see what he's got. But, you know, fair enough. Uh, Tyrell Lomax is a reasonable performer. He just needs to really perform his uh, set-piece roles, um, you know, with a bit more vim and vigour and dominance. Um, Shannon Frizzell, I like the fact that he's come in at number six. He may be a bit underdone with rugby, but I think they needed a change there, and he's going to be the muscular presence that they're going to need with his ball carrying and also perhaps at the breakdown. Um, so that's good. Richie Moonga, great to see him and finally get his chance at 10, uh, but he's only going to be able to perform if those forwards actually do do the job. So, um, you know, there's a few um, a few steps forward in selection, but I still wonder at second five, David Harvey's in again. Uh, maybe they've kept him in there to have that Crusaders combination uh, with Moonga. But, um, I mean, I, I would have looked to a Tupai or a, even a Roger Tuivasa-Sheck to try and break down that uh, defensive line of the of the Springboks a bit more. Yeah, I've certainly lamented that the lack of ball carriers, whether that's a heavy hitter alongside Adi Savia, um, Shannon Frizzella, I, I guess can bring that. It, it's certainly in his, his repertoire. Uh, though, if he can do it against the South African defence, uh, that remains to be seen. So, how best utilise Shannon Frizzell in your mind, Campbell? Uh, yeah, well, he's, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to uh, carry hard. He's going to have to make some dominant tackles around around the fringes, uh, clear out rucks. He's going to he's going to probably have to do everything that that, that Brody Retallick does, uh, and and want a bit of line out ball as well. Um, even though he's in a different position there, but um, big chance for Frizzell. He'd probably go hard for 55, 60 minutes. Um, and, and really, he's, as I said, the only concern I have there is that he hasn't played a lot of rugby. Came off the bench last week and um, unfortunately dropped that last pass, which wasn't entirely his fault for that last Springbok try. So, big, you know, it's a big occasion for Frizzell. He, he got injured at the wrong time because I'm sure he would have been in there for the Irish series uh, to make more of an impact. But, uh, you know, he's, he's coming back into it. He's, he's got going to have his hands full with the box loose forwards. And I see they've brought back Dwayne Vermeulen, who will probably only go for half a game. Uh, very experienced character, quite a muscular presence there. But uh, again, ha- you know, how much does Frizzell 
have to play a part at the breakdown um, in terms of, you know, he's not, he's not he's not a fetcher as such, but he's going to be a physical presence in there. So there's, there's actually a lot on Frizzell's uh, shoulders tomorrow. I think it's fair to say, pretty disappointing uh, effort over the Irish series um, and maybe against South Africa last week, 4-1 Bowden Barrett at first five. Okay, had that wonderful breakout in that first half, what, inside the you know, in goal area, but that was New Zealand's sort of best attacking foray in that first half, which is not a good sign, is it, when you you counter-attack it from your own goal area. So what can Moonga do that he is not? Barrett has not. Well, again, I think he, um, I think he certainly passes better. He can, he can take it to the line and, and use his jinking feet to, to make a break. Uh, I mean, Bowden Barrett did make a good break last week, but it just seems that he's not quite, he's not quite in sync there. Whether it's a depth issue, an alignment issue, I'm not sure. Uh, but certainly, Moonga passes better, and if you're trying to unlock space further out wide, um, you know, that's going to be a key thing. But again, this is the hard thing because um, the All Blacks have often used the second five from first or second phase to, you know, to, to hit the advantage line to, you know, to, to punch holes and to make the gain line. Then they can make a switch to the blind side. But we've seen no switches of, of play, no, no angle changes uh, from the All Blacks, which is, you know, which is very disappointing. So Moonga can mix things up a bit. Um, he can pass well uh, long or, or far in the hand. Um, so I think that's that's a, again a step forward, but again he can't he can't do much as we saw last year um, if the uh, if the Fords are getting smashed. I saw last week an All Black side trying to beat a rush defence on the outside, tried to go wide. Uh, that they they can't repeat that, right? Um, you've talked about the ball carriers; they've got to get some impetus and go forward. But surely there's got to be some variations, and this is where the coaching team is going to front up. Whether it's playing off nine, um, you know, inside balls off Aaron Smith, or or what you saw, you saw that lovely one with Will Jordan making that break, a little change of angle. They, they can't just go wide too early, right? Surely they'll learn that those no, lessons. That, no, that's right. I mean, they have to try and get, uh, find a way to get Caleb Clark involved closer to the action early, uh, work the blind side. Um, as I say, changes of angle, a switch, a cut, all these kind of things that we just haven't been seeing, and I don't know why. We haven't been seen because they've still had plenty of ball. It hasn't always been been the cleanest ball, but the, you've got to you can't just rely on an individual individual break or to try and punch up. So we saw you know, the likes of Rico Yuani just striving to get on the outside, but you know with that with that tight rush defence they have, it wasn't um, you know there was no space there. So and then of course Will Jordan, we only saw him touch the ball for the first time in the second half. You know they need to inject him more. Um, you know so I'll be interested to see if there's any if there's any um, strike moves or plays they come up with particularly early because, um, you know, this, uh, we know about this watertight Springboks defence. Um, but, you know, I mean, they, it's one thing knowing, knowing what's coming and it's a, an, another way to try and, it's another thing to try and exploit that and to create space. And, uh, you know, that, they, that they, they need to have quicker ruck ball, of course, and that's, that's always been the key there with Aaron Smith and that hasn't been coming as much. So, um, yeah, there's a few, uh, there's a few attacking uh, questions to be answered for sure. Conversely, South Africa, were they at their best last week? No, no, far from it. They scored two tries from All Blacks' mistakes. Uh, they kicked their goals, they um, they drove, they did everything we expected of them. And in fact, the All Blacks defended quite well from the uh, from their malls, uh, which was obviously something that Jason Ryan has has stiffened up. So uh, the, the box are not are not a great are not necessarily a great side. Struggled to beat Wales. They're third in the world. Don't agree with Graham Henry's uh, suggestion that they're they're probably the best Springboks team of all time. No, they're not. 1998 was better. No. 90, sorry, 2007, 2009, 
the Springboks are far from uh, from a great side, but they you know they stick to their knitting. They know what they're doing. Having said that, if you look at their side, their best attack is not there. Cheslin Colby's not there up for the series. Uh, their best halfback, Buster Clerk's not there. And uh, they've dropped their best player, Malcolm Marks, which is bizarre. I think he was such is, a standout, particularly at the breakdown last week. So, so, so they're, they're actually not, not, if you look at them on paper, they're a good side, but they're not startling. Uh, this is not a side that the All Blacks should fear, necessarily, um, if they were in any sort of form. But it's a side that does the, does the basics pretty well, and we know that they're going to bomb the hell out of the All Blacks back three. So we know what's coming. Uh, the Springboks are, are quite limited in some ways. But they do they do things clinically. They don't drop the ball like we do, um, and so we we know exactly what to expect. What one thing I I am seriously worried about, and this is just on paper, Campbell. When I look at the two benches, there is such a golfing class, is there not? Well, there is. I mean, there's um, there's a tremendous amount of experience on this uh, box bench. I mean, God, you've got Malcolm Mark, Stephen Kitsoff, uh, Vincent Cock, uh, Franco Mostert. Uh, it's just on the forwards, and then. Oh, they're, yeah. they're going for a 6-2 split, of course. But then there's uh, a guy like Willie LaRue, um, who scored the final try last week. He's coming off the bench with 75 caps. So they do have a lot more punch than, than we do off the bench. So, you know, is that going to tell in the last quarter? Um, because uh, we, we know how poorly the Allbacks have started. So whether that sort of pans out again, uh, we know that the Springboks will probably finish strong. Uh, you mentioned Sir Graham Henry. Interesting uh, article in the New Zealand Herald. He's penned an opinion piece uh, talking about you know the whinging and moaning. That's not the Kiwi way. It's embarrassing and not how the rest of the world uh, we want them to see us. He's wondered about the the team of five million due to the um, what he claims to be unfair, uh, unkind vitriol uh, directed towards uh, In Foster, uh, Sam Kane. Uh, he might have a point there, but. Um, there's a lot of people sort of circling the wagons and, and fearing what what comes in, in the immediate aftermath of this. Um, We've got to start off with the game. Do, do you see in any way, shape or form, New Zealand winning this and to a level where the doubters at maybe NZR think, actually, we're are, we are on the right track or are we just sort of spinning our wheels to to get to a stage where the inevitable happens? Well, it's hard to know because what if the All Blacks um, play, you know, play, play well and play, play gutsily and win by one point, but but not that convincingly. Is that enough for a change of regime? I don't know. Um, or, or again, could they could they play their hearts out and still lose by three points? It's quite possible they could do that. So um, all that's uh, all that's conjecture. I think people just want to see a better performance. They want to see them start better. They want to see them see them in the game because normally all big sides yeah. lose and they're right in the game um, for for you know for most of the time. And it might come down to one call or two. They they haven't fired a shot in the five defeats they've had. And they haven't looked like winning in any of those five games, which is which is bizarre when you consider all black history. I mean, you can go back to '98 when we lost five, um, and we should have won four of them, and probably would have with the TMO and two of them. Um, so we were never that far off the pace, even when we were losing. Um, yeah. You know, and could you probably even go back to 1949, where you can blame goal kicking and all sorts of things um, when we lost six tests that year. But in this, I, I think the manner of the performance, as much of as the results, has been the cause of concern for many fans who just are sitting there going, nothing's happening here. They haven't got the wherewithal to even even try and scrape a win. And although in the second test, and uh, third test in Wellington against Ireland, they scored three individual tries, they were still well behind the eight ball and they never really constructed anything. So I think the performance, as much as the losses are 
are, are vexing people at the moment. And I've got no faith that that's definitely going to come right tomorrow. All I know is that they'll play their hearts out, but that's the absolute minimum, isn't it, we expect from an all-back side. We want to see well, more accuracy, yeah. more nous, a more, a more tactical um, awareness and, and, and technically not dropping the ball, doing their core tasks. So they want to see all these things. If that all adds up to a win, great, but it won't guarantee it necessarily at Joburg. Yeah, even last week it was individualism versus collectivism, and you can see why the team with Marks and it won. Um, uh, the, the way they went, uh, New Zealand's only try came from an individual piece of brilliance from Caleb Clark, really, to, to spark that. So I, I understand where you're coming from. And any time you need to delve back and make a reference to 1949, Campbell, means things aren't going well, right? That's the last <laughs> thing you want to you hear. We've got to go back to 1949. Well, yeah, that was a bad year. That was when the All Blacks had two sides and they lost on the same day, which was a, probably the lowest <laughs> point in All Blacks history. So, so we're not at the, the absolute lowest we've ever been, but yeah. certainly um, in the professional uh, era, although 98 was a bit of a stain, uh, it wasn't. we weren't that far off the pace compared to how they are now. So that's when and people are looking in the here and now and they just go, I mean, this can't be. This can't be happening. We've we've always been at least competitive against the box, and now we're sort of um, we're celebrating the fact that uh, you know we stiffened up our our more defence and only lost by sixteen when it could have been more. So you know, to, it's uh, it's uh, it, gee, it is bizarre. It, it it is not the lowest point in all black history, but it's dark days indeed. All right, Campbell. Thanks so much as always, mate. Always great to chat. Love your insights. Have a great weekend. Now you got a busy one lined up. Certainly will. All right, cheers, uh, cheers, Daniel. Yeah, mate. Gamble Burns joining us here on SENZ. Let's hear from you now. This is your chance. 0800-150-811. Last week it was, um, you know, what level on the fire warning chart were you? Um, I think we can toss that out because um, last chance saloon sort of stuff. Uh, Sir Graham Henry writing in the Herald earlier today. So come on, New Zealand. Get behind the 23 men in black. We're a team of 5 million, not 4,999,977. Okay. Uh, I've been in touch with the team and told them they have my full support. I'm sure all true All Black supporters will be doing the same thing in their own way. You can't be a true All Black supporter, can't you, by wanting them to win, but also making a coaching change? I, I, I think both things can be true, Sir Graham. I, I think they can. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to convince an All Blacks fan who is a sceptic, who is a critic of this side, to give them compelling reasons not to. We've just referenced 1949, for heck's sake. So, do, do I want to see anyone lose their job? Hell no. I, I don't. I've made that, I've made that point uh, over and over and over. But eventually, eventually something's got to give. Something's got to change. Um, and I'm sorry. I want them to win. I will be supporting them. I will be cheering for them. But you want my hand on my heart and my head? Ask what result I sense. I, I just, I, I just don't have reasons to believe New Zealand can make the improvements across the board that they need to win this test. I hope I am so wrong, and I hope you're all laughing at me at uh, this time next week. I really do. I'd love to hear from you um, and your thoughts. Can New Zealand um, make the changes they do need? It's 22 away from 11. Give us a call: 0800-150-811 or text double eight double three. Back after this, chance for you to shine. Give us a call. Open line talk: 0800-150-811 on SNZ. Seventeen away from eleven o'clock. No Grant Elliott this week. Um, we, 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 have we got guarantees back next week? Or is, it, or is he going to break a fingernail and can't turn up either? I'm sure he'll use any excuse to not show up. 
Yeah. I feel very lonely. I've, ben and I are in different cities, so we, we can see each other via cameras. He's not here in person. I, I feel a little bit naked. I feel a little bit nude. Um, no one wants to talk to me either on 0800 150811. I'm feeling rather down about myself. Doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. Uh, feel free to join us. Here is a, a short window uh, for you to join the program and set the agenda if you want. 0800 uh, I did love to get your thoughts on the All Black South Africa test match. You know, in all sincerity, what are you thinking? What are you thinking about the game and then what happens in, in the days after? Um, these are really, really strange, uh, unique times. Uh, this is not your average, you know, preview uh, a test talk back. Um, there's so many questions about whether or not they can actually improve on the field and, and win the game, uh, but then what happens afterwards? Uh, ben, I, I, I think that the story Sir Graham Henry wrote was for people like you. Weren't you actively rooting against the All Blacks last week? That's certainly been indicated in, the, in Sir Graham Henry's piece that he thinks a lot of people want the All Blacks to fall. Did he, did he specifically allude to me? No, but I, I I just like to tie you into a bit to negative things like that. Right. Okay. Well, I I, yeah. I think the statement you made before, where it's not necessarily that it's more that you want the change, and I, you feel like the only way for that change to happen is with a loss. Yeah. Well, you want the results to go well, and you feel for them to go well longer term that a change is necessary. Yeah. That, that's no. prob- that's probably. Well, would more... I be th- Would I be thrilled if the All Blacks put fifty on South Africa? Heck yeah, most of us would. Would it change my thinking? Well, you'd have to seriously uh, take it on board. Now, do I think they're going to win that by that margin? Absolutely no chance. Absolutely no chance that that you know they're put, putting an Albany cricket score on the South African, uh, the South African side. And despite losing twenty six ten last week, the All Blacks themselves or their coach described it as you know their most improved performance of the year, uh, their best performance of the year, and, and those sort of criticisms, uh, th- those sort of comments. Uh, copped a bit of criticism, didn't they, uh, for, from pundits and fans alike, asking probably themselves, uh, were we watching the same game? Because I, I saw a game then where the All Blacks um, were on the back foot from the opening scrum of the game. Really? That opening set-piece contest, which wasn't much of a contest, sort of a sign of things to come, really. Um, the opening exchanges, the All Blacks' defensive line held. Um, the defence was pretty good, yet they still considered 26 points over the course of the game. Um, but again, from the start last week, they, they were they were second best, and that's a real common theme for the side. Every single test against South Africa, this one again, sorry, every single test against Ireland, uh, every single test against South Africa. So, you know, I, I I know starts aren't everything, but that's probably the one area I want um, to see a marked improvement. Um, you know, to, to front running a little bit more. Um, someone writes here, and I completely understand where he's coming from. Doom and gloom comes um, comes continuously talking All Blacks Foster all week, question mark. Why not celebrate a wonderful win last night by the Warriors and Black Caps this morning? Well, we have at the top of the program. Um, I've invited your calls on that. Um, and com- This is open line talk. Uh, people can discuss what they want. But I think the most significant game this weekend is the South African-New Zealand test for what's at stake, right? for the coaching team because this, this is so unusual that midway through a contract that New Zealand rugby feel like they might change. So if I'm putting my old journalist hat on. That's the, that's the newsy side of it. Um, but, of course, uh, I, I get your perspective and where you're coming from. Another one here. Good morning. The All Blacks will get a hiding again and Ian Foster will be out the door after the match, so hopefully he has his bags packed, ready to leave, writes Brendan of Masterton. 
well, all of them should have their bags packed. Uh, leaving South Africa, Ben Francis, aren't they? Yeah, and I just want to go back to the point you touched on before, how you know, when Foster made the comments after the game, we said this was our most improved performance. And yes, there were improvements in terms of, you know, we touched on the, the rolling mall and things around that area. But the main thing that I took out of it was that they're still having to rely on moments of individual brilliance to actually put themselves in positions, which is probably the most concerning thing. The amount of times you know, Will Jordan and Caleb Clark both had to make a couple of breaks before the All Blacks actually had some good attacking ball. And that was still something that was happening in the Ireland series. And when you see that and then you see it happening in South Africa, you think, well, is that really an improvement? If they're still having to continually rely on little moments like that to actually get chances at scoring the ball. Because you've got to remember, was it the 78th minute they scored for their try? It was very, very late. New Zealand in the game. or South Africa? Or New South Africa scored the last, and they yeah, it, it came in the final throws of the game. Hmm. And again, it came from an individual break. So, uh, and that's why I keep referencing the beginning. I, I, I think, and this is my own supposition, the, my own way I read the game. That coaching can really impact the opening five or ten minutes of a game, right? Before it gets a little bit unscripted, if you know what I mean. Um, and, and that's why. Every single test against Ireland and the one against South Africa um, was frustrating, to say the least. Uh, appreciate all your texts on double eight to double three. Keep your Sleep Drops performance of the week nominations coming through. We've got a uh, prize pack, thanks to Sleep Drops, to give away uh, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Back after this break, it's 11 away from 11. Coming up to the top of the hour, it is uh, six and a half minutes away from 11 o'clock. Double eight, double three. That's where you send your text messages at two. Uh, keep them rolling in throughout the duration of the show, uh, including this one, um, Ben. Philadelphia Eagles preseason opener today. Definitely the most important game of the weekend, never mind the All Blacks. They are fly-blowing. Ooh. Uh, real sting in that text message, especially the last couple of words. As for your barely 500 Philadelphia Eagles last year. Um, it, preseason in the NFL, is anything more laughable in sport? Probably not. Well, you get about a quarter a quarter of the games with, with the front-line players, don't you, Ben? And then it's like, take them off, take them off. It's preseason. I'm just wondering whether Fly Brown is just as bad as a weak-gutted dog, as said by Ricky Stewart in the last week. <laughs> Fly-blowing. Yeah. Fly-blowing. Can I tell you, you know... Giving connotations of a, of a carcass with flies above them. A weak gutted dog who I didn't even know was a thing until Monday morning when I filled in for Smithy here on SCNZ. Um, no, no matter how obscure your team is, we always encourage you to communicate um, You know how they're going. Like Bradford City. We're big fans of Bradford City. Well, one of us is. Except for when they go down to Barrow. They oh. lost to Barrow. Yeah, but we who beat... are Barrow? They well... lost to a wheelbarrow. Well, they beat Hull in the uh, Carabao Cup, which is uh, the most important thing. So They did too, 2-1 two, against Hull City, but lost to Barrow. I don't even know. Well, Nil-all draw against uh, Doncaster the week I, before. I think, I think they only entered the Football League last season for the first time, Barrow. Both in terms of the top yeah. four. And they're fourth, Barrow, after two games. See, they're um, not to Bradford's, be taken lightly. Brad, Bradford City sitting in 15th position of... Uh, Football League 2. See, we cover all aspects of sport. As far as what's coming up on the show, uh, we've got uh, plenty of guests uh, for you. Stay tuned with us. It's uh, almost uh, time to take a last break uh, as we uh, climb towards 11 o'clock. It's four and a half minutes away from... uh, In the 11 o'clock hour, we are going to be delighted to welcome in NBL GM Hugh Bain and, of course, uh, 
uh, knows one or two things about his basketball from a media member too. Um, we will uh, catch up with him ahead of the grand final now, NBL. Uh, and we'll talk cricket. We'll talk about the Black Caps resounding win over the West Indies. Um, also, Trent Bolt. We'll do that with uh, Mitch McClennigan in the next hour. Stay with us. Everybody's working for the weekend except Ben and I, who are still working on a weekend, but for you. But we love it. We love hearing from you on 0800 150 811. You can also text us on double eight double three. Uh, we will talk some cricket later this hour. Mitch McLennigan will uh, drop by. We will also talk the NBL Grand Final. We have full coverage of that game tonight here on SCNZ from 7 o'clock as the Otago Nuggets take on the Auckland uh, Basketball Tuatara. Uh, good luck to those respective sides. Of course, uh, with SCNZ's association with um, uh, the Otago Nuggets, I'm contractedly obligated to say go Nuggets. Uh, hello, Gary. Good morning to you. Thanks for holding through the break. Do we find you well on this Saturday? Oh, you most certainly do, Daniel. Beautiful day here in Upper Hutt, mate. Beautiful day. I see you oh, you're in Upper solo Hutt. again. Yeah, I know, Gary. I'm feeling a little bit lonely. There, there is a chair right next to me on my right if you want to oh. make that short trip oh. south down along State Highway 2. Just turn left somewhere <laughs> in Patoni and, and look for the TAB building. Well, I'm pretty sure one of the first times I rang you up, you, you and Grant were actually debating whose name should go first on the show, and I did make the comment, well, at least you do turn up to work. So, uh, yeah, sort of ringing true again. Oh, so it? you're Team Daniel, Gary. You're Team Daniel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I this am is today. the greatest yeah. day of my life. Can I, can I take I'm, – I'm taking a bow. I'm taking a bow after that one, Gary. Well, All right. say, um, we're not left with too many options. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Hey, what, what, what are you looking forward to this sporting weekend? What, what's high on your well, agenda? Well, I was just ringing up to say it's actually started off pretty well as of last night and this morning. I um, tuned in to watch a Shield match last night and got to half time and I thought, oh, the baby, they're going to run away with this. That was all right. So I thought I'd tune into the Warriors, thought I'd give them a go and oh, far out. They actually turned up with a decent performance, you know, something pretty good. Yeah, quite happy with that one. So I flipped back to the Shield match, expecting to see that the Bay had run away huh. with it. And, Far out, no, no, that obviously got exciting. The end of that match, and then you get up. So, this so you're morning, struggling. You're struggling at this stage. Yeah. You, you're like, what? What should I watch now? Should I stay with the Warriors? The Shield Challenge is getting tight. You know, it's it's difficult, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Uh, the, the realm <laughs> it of flicking. certainly is. And then, like I say, you get up this morning and tune into the cricket, and from ball one, pretty much. I mean, oh, we had a cracking game this morning. Bar the last couple of overs, you damn near say it was the perfect game. So, yeah, uh, it was yeah, close to an and I know they got a few runs off the last few hours, but the nine down, that can happen. You're right, it is oh, close yeah, to yeah. Yeah. the perfect game as far as batting first, scoring 215. You're probably thinking we've already won the game then, but then to knock the top off um, as quickly as they did. And the spinners having such such a big thing. Michael Bracewell, um, geez, had yeah. a great four, five, four months, he, isn't he? He just got the Midas touch at the moment, hasn't he? I don't know if you actually saw it, but like he got a whisket off his first ball. <laughs> to be quite honest, that was a shocking ball. <laughs> it was short and wide and should have been hammered before, you know. But uh, when luck's with you, it's with you, you know, and you get a wicket instead. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that was a very good performance, really was. Yeah, like you say, bar the last couple of overs where they got a bit sloppy, but the game's gone, it's won by that stage. But, um, you know, it's always good to, you know, keep the standards high, but you, you really cannot complain with that game. It was, yeah, very good stuff. Hey, Gary, what do you make of the news of Trent Bolt during the week? Yeah, um, I th- personally, I, I'm, yeah, it's a bit of a shame because I would've, really would have liked to see him 
push up past that sort of 400 wicket mark, yeah. and um, I don't know that he'll get there now. Um, but from his own personal point of view, I understand it. You know, young family, he's got to go. He's going to go to these other, um, you know, the tournaments and make a bit of money. I mean, he's only got a limited time in cricket, and that big money's been flashed around. It'd be hard to ignore it, to be quite honest. It really would be. And All Black South Africa, go on. One out of ten, what chance are you giving them? Uh, uh, as in for us winning, I'd give us maybe a good 4.5. <laughs> yeah, that, even that might be optimistic. Um, I, I can't see it. I really can't see it. I didn't think it last weekend either. I did. And in my lifetime, there'd be very, very few times where I've actually thought we're not going to win because I'm so one-eyed, it's ridiculous. So I, I can never normally see us losing, you know, um, but I, I just can't see it. I really cannot see it. Unless the South Africans, for whatever reason, decide to only play sort of half-heartedly. But, nah, they're not going to do that. Beating us 2-0 at home, I mean, they want that. That's a good scalp for them. You know, they, well, they I think it was the first us. time... South African mate. Yeah. Sorry, Garrett. Oh, I was going to say, I've got a South African mate who keeps messaging me. And... Um, even he wants us to play better. <laughs> and that's coming from a South African. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, my God, talk about rubbing it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, with I you, Gary. I, I Appreci- can't see it, Daniel. I really can't. Yeah, I think I, – I, and it's understandable. I think the first time since uh, the TRB have uh, been doing sports betting, the All Blacks started as underdogs when they announced yeah. their uh, odds on Monday morning. You know, yeah, it's just something we're not telling. used to. <laughs> yeah. And I All don't right, know Gary, a bit is, like Sun- I, I, a bit, yeah. I was going to say, I think we've actually got the players, so, but they're just they're just not playing well. I mean, for whatever reason, the, yeah, I don't know what it is, and I don't know. I could join the bandwagon and say it's the coach, you know, but I don't even know if it's just that. I, I don't know, but yeah, as for the coach, um, geez, he's a dead man walking, isn't he? He's got to be. Hey, Gary, appreciate your thoughts. Uh, go enjoy the yep. sun in Upper Hutt. Really appreciate it. Thanks Bye. for your kind words. I will do. All right. See ya. Other uh, thoughts? Thoughts of Gary there. Our number is 0800 150 811. Open line talk. If there's something you want to discuss in sport, feel free. Uh, Trent Bolt's a really interesting one for my... For my. A- am I shocked? No. 33 years young, has played this long. Um, and uh, the way international cricket and you know, cricket in general is structured, uh, a decision like this... Did not shock me at all. Um, you know, he is a great of New Zealand cricket. Uh, no denying that. Um, you know, he's been a wonderful servant. I, I, I wish him very well. Um, but there are some questions. Like, how does this actually work? How is this going to work? What will he be available for? Because he hasn't said he's retired from uh, playing for the Black Caps. Um, is it fair to suggest that he's trying to get the best of both worlds? I think that is fair. Because in that, I, I mean, he will tour around playing the, the lucrative T20 leagues um, while also kind of being available for New Zealand for, I assume, marquee events like the upcoming T20 World Cup. Um, you may want to make a, a comment on that if that sits comfortably uh, with you. 0800 Good morning, Zade. It's been a while. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, uh, good game last night for the Nuggets. Had a little ten, had a little cheeky ten dollars on them. wasn't too bad. Um, but I did fought the bull. I actually had Bulldogs to win last night, but didn't quite win. I was re- I'm really impressed with a team that's got some a bit building big momentum as the Rabbitohs. And as Alex Johnson, underrated as one of the best players in the NRL right now, 
just every week he's just scored every week. Well, you you, you, t- you elaborate on that. You you obviously think you you he is that he's he's the he's, real deal. What do you like about him as a player? Just just how many tries he scores every every. every I think that's three years in a row now he's going to be top try scorer. And he just does his job what wingers meant to do it, what are meant to do in the NRL. And then um, ever since Latrell Mitchell's came back, I don't think the Raiders have lost a game. So they've got some um, uh, strong strength going to the finals. Um, looking forward to the um, Auckland game tomorrow against Southland. Um, probably a bit of UFC. Um, Dominic Cruz, Marlon Chito Vieira. Not sure if you're if, um, you're into UFC or anything, but a good fight, um, and but the game for me of the weekend of I'm looking forward to other than the All Blacks is Chelsea Tottenham. Big Chelsea fan, so absolutely can't wait for the uh, London derby. It's going to be a huge game um, at Stamford Bridge. So I'm going to be interested to see how Raheem Sterling does. Um, good win for the boys this morning in the cricket. Uh, great commentary on Sins again, um, and Glenn Phillips just absolute power. Um, he's one of the most um, most powerful players in cricket. You know. Is um he can smash smash some sixes, Glenn Phillips and um West Indies looking a lot of lot of lot of trouble right now. Um they lost every pretty much every game to India and they've already lost two in a row to New Zealand. So um yeah, there might be a few changes in the West Indies system. It doesn't seem too well for them. No, they they look pretty and, ugly, um, didn't they? They look pretty putrid in that game against New Zealand today. Credit to New Zealand, they did play yeah. very, very well. But you know, when you were when you were thirteen for two and then nineteen for four, twenty eight for five, I could just go on. There wasn't really any semblance of a plan for that run chase. No, and Andrean Bolt, yeah, one of the greatest players in cricket for New Zealand. Him and Tim Salvi, um, two best players. You're going to be a big miss, Trent Bolt, three hundred and seventeen wickets. And test matches for New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, just one of the best bowlers in Tamden with Tim Salvi, our first two bowlers. Um, but, obviously, there's a big wide opening now for Matt Henry to take his spot in that test team as the opening bowler with Tim Salvi now. Good on you, Tate. Appreciate it, my friend. Go enjoy your Thank sporting you. weekend. I'm sure you will. Sweet. Thank it's you. quite some time. Thank you. I think it's quite some time till New Zealand actually play a test. It might be the... I should have checked the uh, the New Zealand playing schedule, Ben, but I'm pretty sure it's a steady diet of T20s, one-day internationals through to the uh, World Cup. And then uh, what we've got Pakistan visiting in October. We've got international cricket in New Zealand in October. What could possibly go wrong uh, there? And I think our first test back here might be not till that series against England, February 16th. Uh, whether or not we see um, Trent Bolt line up, and that only time will tell us. I mentioned a little bit earlier in the program, he has signed on for the uh, the new... UAE um, T20 tournament, uh, which is due to take place through January and February. It's great, isn't it? The ICC have sanctioned another T20 league people can go to right in the heart of our uh, summer and Australia summer, um, making it a little bit more complicated. Uh, NBJ, it's Neil, writes, uh, Nisham not on a central contract and playing T20, so Bolt should be similar. But the thing, the difference is between Nisham and Bolt. Bolt's been playing all three forms of the game, right? Um, he's a huge cog. I mean, how does he pick and choose his way through that path? You know, selfishly, I want to see Trent Bolt bowl for New Zealand. With all due respect, I, I don't follow. I don't. I can't even remember off the top of my head, Ben, which IPL team he's with. There you go. Um, th- these T20 leagues around the world, why they are big deals in those nations, and they draw a lot of a lot of revenue. 
You understand why players go. They don't resonate with me. Um, I, I'll watch Trent Bolt when he plays for New Zealand. I, I doubt if he doesn't play for New Zealand, and you know, I doubt I'll see him bowl much uh, in the future. Which selfishly, you know, I'm looking at the selfishly. And there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Um, you know, wish him luck, but you know, kind of a little bit sad. He, he is kind of calling time on New Zealand, even though it's not time. I've got myself confused now with this. It's 12 and a half minutes after 11. Uh, let's welcome in a man who knows his station very well after the break. Hugh Bainan is going to look at the uh, NBL final uh, for us here on uh, SNZ. Of course, SNZ has full coverage of the Otago Nuggets up against the uh, Auckland uh, Basketball Tour Tara. Stay with us. This is SNZ in the Saturday session. 17 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. My name is Grant Elliott. My name is Daniel McCarty. I'll take you through with Ian Francis through to one o'clock. Hayden Ralston is our Saturday session legend next hour. Can't wait to catch up with him. And we will talk some international cricket with Mitch McLennigan later this hour. Right now, though, time to talk some hoops. Uh, the marquee weekend of our National Basketball League season uh, all wraps up tonight with the grand finals. The Tuatara take on the Nuggets. The GM of the Sales National Basketball League is Hugh Bainan. He is kind enough to join us here on a Saturday. Good morning, Hugh. Yeah, good morning, Daniel. How's the season been? How does the GM rate the whole season? Uh, better than expected. <laughs> you know, I go back to uh, it is all the way back to November, right? We're still, you know, parts of the country were in lockdown. The borders were closed. We had no idea if we'd have a season, if we'd have, if we'd have to go back to a bubble, if we'd have. Uh, we didn't know if we we're going to have fans in the stadium until about, you know, four weeks before tip-off. You know, we had to put the start of the season. Uh, in February, we had to put the start of the season back three three months due to the Omicron wave around uh, Aotearoa. So, yeah, a really turbulent off-season uh, has somehow turned into, you know, a season that you know, has been one of the best in uh, in recent memory in terms of competitiveness, in terms of crowds, in terms of viewer ratings and everything. So, yeah, it's been a, you know, it's been a grind. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's been hard work for, for all of us, both my team and, and also all the front offices around the league. But... Here we are, the big dance tonight, and it's just going really well. How good were those numbers as far as viewership and people actually going to the game? Really good. You know, you look around our, our league, you know, obviously the traditional powerhouses that always do well, Wellington South and Canterbury continued there, you know, sold out streak. I mean, we had 4,000 people at a game on a Tuesday night in Wellington two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal. But then to the party came uh, the Nelson Giants, who sold out all nine home games. The Taranaki Airs, who sold out all nine home games. The Hawks Bay Hawks, uh, in their big arena up in there, Napier, had a, you know half their game sell out and near sell out to the other half as well. So uh, really, really good. And, you know, Sky uh, uh, not always overly forthcoming with their numbers, but they have been this year, and it's been really good. Really, you know, they're really happy, which is obviously a big, big tick for me uh, from a business point of view when I go and see the board later today. Um, that the, the Sky. <laughs> With what, what they're seeing, and um, so no, which is good. So every you know, all our major stakeholders are really happy, and then all the ones that you know, the most important, the fans have been voting with their feet on how happy they've been this year. So yeah, really good. Why is it resonating with your fans? You think? I think it's because it's so competitive. I mean, look at Wednesday night. We had four teams in, in our play-in games so for opening night of the playoffs, and all four teams finished a regular season on the same record. You know, there was two wins separating one through to six. Uh, and then the teams that came 7th and 8th were only a win behind, a win away from making it into the playoffs. So the fact that it was so competitive, the fact that, you know, how long have we all said, you know, it's the greatest form of reality TV or reality uh, anything really is sport. Um, if you can walk into an arena or flick on your TV or turn on your radio and not know who's going to win. 
Um, you know, and we haven't been able to say that in this league uh, for the most part of the last 15 years. You know, we've had a couple of teams, we full credit to them, you know, they've, they've, it's been through their hard work as well, that have run away with leagues and we've known the lots into the playoffs with half a season to go, etc. This year it wasn't like that, you know. This year it was anyone could beat anyone. We had the bottom place team beating the top place team with, uh, you know, a week and a half to go in the season. Um, and I think that's really resonated with people, you know, and it's, it becomes a, a show when, when that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with more. No, and granted, I'm a sign, sign, you know, signed up card-carrying member of the, of the fan club of this competition for a number of years, but it's great to see you know, the communities getting behind these uh, teams. I'm interested, Just you talked about the challenges of, from your own um, uh, organisation's perspective, but how difficult was it for these teams to settle on rosters, to get some sort of rosters, rather, to get some sort of continuity? I'm sure that sort of helped the fluctuation of results, but um, you know, how have you judged that? Yeah, really hard. I'm really, you know, really proud of all ten of our general managers who've had it tough this year. You know, rolling into a season not knowing whether they can pull a trigger on a on an import uh, because they don't know if they can get them into the country or when they can get them into the country. On top of that, because of again COVID-related, the Australian NBL went longer than normal, so we had overlap at the start of the season with the Australian NBL, which we don't normally have, and thankfully we won't have next year. So. Some of our top tall blacks and Australian NBL-based New Zealanders couldn't make it home until three or four weeks into the season. All those kinds of things create just extra admin for front offices around the league. And, you know, these aren't NBA front offices with multiple, you know, with teams of 15 to 20. Uh, our clubs are run by, you know, teams of one, two. And, you know, and same with this league, you know. And, that, and that's the, the overall, you know, not problem, but challenge for basketball and in New Zealand at the moment, is the sport is growing and just getting so much, so popular and it's getting so big, and the infrastructure needs to keep up, um, which is an expensive exercise and a real a challenge that I know my, you know, my boss Dylan Boucher is relishing and getting getting stuck into at the moment. So, and that's the same for all our teams, um, selling out arenas and stuff is great, but you know, trying to keep up with it all has been a real, you know, it's been a tough slog for them. So I know there'll be a few, a uh, few tired faces at the end of this season are looking forward to. A, I'll give them about a week off before we start planning for next season. Well, tell us about these two sides who've got through to the final, starting off with uh, the, the Tuatara, who've been a name in New Zealand sport for a few years now, just basketball, the new addition. But, uh, you know, what a way now to announce yourself in this competition by getting through to the grand final. Yeah, unbelievable. They made a big splash in the off-season um, with uh, Rob Lowe, um, you know, bringing back uh, 81-time Tall Black and a Sky Sport breaker. And uh, he's been phenomenal. He's been a leader for for them the entire season. No, none more so than on than on the Thursday night, uh, where he put you know potentially the performance of his storied career uh, out there on Event Finder Stadium. So uh, they start with a big splash and they're going to finish at the big dance. So what an awesome season for the Auckland Tuatara. You know, it's it's hard in Auckland. Uh, at this level of the sport, to um, of any sport, to to bring in the fans, you know, there's a lot going on in Auckland. Obviously, the Breakers are the big basketball ticket uh, up in the big smoke, so they've done a really good job to grow their fan base, grow their membership, uh, grow their commercial arm as, as well of the team. And uh, and here they are in the final. You know, they've unearthed some some superstars. Dante Russo Nance, what a great season he's had. Taki Farrington has been phenomenal and worked his way into Perry Cameron's Tall Black squad through his work this year. Uh, and obviously Rob Lowe and Chris Johnson are the, are the foundation pieces of, of that team. So really happy for the two Atari. You know, that was a, they took a punt and they, you know, expanded their business from, from baseball to basketball. And I think they'll be pretty happy with their decision. OK, and the Otago Nuggets too, who of course have had an interesting sort of uh, history with this competition. We're stable, we're a really competitive side, had some years out of the league. Uh, but they'll be uh, utterly thrilled to see where they are now. Yeah, and they're a real, <coughs> excuse me, they're a real, you know, uh, example of, 
of the growth of this competition. Big, flash, shiny new owners, right? SEN, huge media company over in Australia who uh, bought the Otago Nuggets. They already own the Perth Wildcats, and, and of course, they bought the Southern Hoyford, the uh, Toihi uh, team down in, in the southern area as well. So, uh, And they've repaid them. You know, Angela Rusk, who's a, who's a general manager there and a former player herself, um, she's done a wonderful job with this team. Brent Matahari, uh, former Otago Nugget player, now the head coach. Uh, let's not forget, you know, they won the, the title as it was, uh, the showdown championship in 2020 with a, a team full of draft drafted players, the likes of Jerry Kenny and Jordan Nato. So for them to do it in a, you know, quote-unquote proper full season uh, this year would be really special for, for the everyone down in Otago and down in Dunedin. So yeah, it's going to be a big game tonight. It's a really tough one to pick, let me tell you. I don't think anyone, you know, coming up to Auckland on, on Tuesday and Wednesday this week ahead of the final seats picked these two teams to be in the final, uh, which I guess is a really great reflection on the competition this year. Yeah, finals week's always special now, isn't it? But when you blend these two sides together, how do they match up? Yeah, really interesting question because we kind of did this last night over, uh, you know, a post-game debrief Guinness or two. And uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one to pick. You know, so you've got young Nico McCulloch, who was right in there for uh, most improved player of the year um, for, for the Otago Nuggets. He's just been phenomenal. And he's had the balance 3x3 international duties with uh, Nuggets duties this year. And he's just coming coming into peak form right at the pointy end of the season, up against the young starlet Dante Russo-Nance. You know, shadow of a doubt, a future tall black if everything goes well for Dante. You know, he's just been over at the NBA without borders camp and um, everyone's looking at Dante for the future. So that's going to be a really interesting young Kiwi on Kiwi matchup to get things going. Uh, and then you've got this fearsome three-headed monster of the, uh, of the uh, Otago Nuggets, you know, who second, if not the best import trio in the league of Todd Withers, Keith Williams, and Trey Boyd, who last you know last night went off against the Nuggets and let everyone in Event Finder Stadium know about it. Um, <laughs> he they? is yeah, he is uh, one of those you know smack talking American point guards. So uh, those three up against a slightly different um, setup for the two Atari. You know with Silas Schneider, who's by no means as much of a scorer as Trey Boyd, and then those two fearsome bigs, Rob Lowe and Chris Johnson, longer than anyone, bigger than anyone, and stronger than anyone. So that's going to be really tough for Sam Timmons down low to contend with whichever one of those he has to contend with. Uh, a Rob Lowe-Sam Timmons matchup is going to be really exciting for Tall Blacks fans, right? They're both Sky Sport breakers. They're both Tall, uh, tall Blacks. Uh, one kind of coming to the twilight of his career and one very much in the infancy of his Tall Blacks career. So that's going to be a really exciting matchup. It's a really hard one to pick. <laughs> it's a really hard one to pick. I'll probably give the edge to the Tuatara slightly, but that might be... You know, with that big M, the momentum side of things, having knocked off uh, everyone's two favourites, the Saints and the Ears, coming into this one. Well, I'm contractually obligated to say you're wrong and the Nuggets will win. You understand why, <laughs> Hugh. Uh, uh, a good crowd lined up for tonight. What, tip-off at 7.30? You're telling people to get there nice and early? Yep, so it sold out. Um, sold out, so we opened up the mezzanine. So I think there's maybe a handful of seats left on the mezzanine if you head to eventfinder.co.nz. Uh, live coverage on SCNZ, of course, and live coverage on Sky Sports from 7 o'clock. So it's great. You know, how cool is it as well with the coverage to have, you know, the history of this competition involved with Phil Jones calling games on SCNZ and, you know, Casey yeah. Frank calling them on Sky Sports. I think that's, that's really cool that these guys are hanging around and still involved in the competition. Yeah, well said, Hugh. Thanks so much for your time, uh, not only today, but throughout the season, speaking to all the other shows. Really appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful night tonight. Thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. Hugh Bainan, out of uh, the sales NBA. He is the general manager of the league. That all comes to culmination tonight when the uh, Auckland Tuatara take on the Otago Nuggets. And to Hugh's point about splitting these two sides, 
Well, uh, at the TAB, um, very, very, very tight. I think head to head, if we're looking at head to head, uh, the Tuatara dollar ninety, the Nuggets one dollar eighty. Guessing everyone at SCNZ has put some money on them. Maybe not. Not Ben Francis. Hasn't seen his wallet since the eighteen thirties. Uh, we'll take a short break. It's twenty eight and a half minutes after eleven o'clock. Stay with us. This is SENZ. This is the Saturday session minus Grant Elliott, who I think is on a plane returning to Aotearoa. Um, his status for next Saturday, TBC. You never know. We could we could have Mitch McLennan uh, co-hosting with me next uh, Saturday. Um, ben, for all we know. Right now, though, we're going to catch up with Big Mitch to talk some cricket. He joins us. Mitch McLennan, how are you, brother? Yeah, bloody great, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm co-hostless. So you know what I'm like. I, I get a bit down. I take well, it personally okay. when people I don't turn up to work. Yeah, you need the company. I know that. But you're going well. You're going well. Zade sounded like he was in the running to be your co-host. Who was? Zade. I heard him before. Oh, I yes. he did a really good job. Oh, no. Zade always speaks very well. Um, uh, but, but big component on Staffy's show, I think Zade is. Uh, granted, I, I, I don't get to listen to as much radio during the week chasing a three and a one-year-old and losing that race uh, every single day, it does seem. But uh, what about you, mate? How's, how's home life and your, your, your crew? Uh, home life's good, mate. Home life's good. Um, look, I, I wish I was in the position of Trent Bold and, and being able to, to go away and make <laughs> some money for the sake of the family, but I'm stuck at home. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I'm in the same boat as you, mate. <laughs> Well, well, I'm glad you raised that. Um, you, you've got a really interesting perspective on this. Um, uh, you know, you, you, your own sort of path and, and cricket is part of it. You, you know the guy. You know what he's done to New Zealand cricket. My, my take is I'm not shocked anymore with decisions like this, especially for someone who's done it for, what, 12 years. He's 33 years of age now, isn't he? Uh, we are sort of getting to yeah. the end of, uh, of his career. And I think players are more self-aware than anyone on that. So what was your initial reaction when, when you caught, caught up with what, this idea? Well, initial reaction was he's got three young boys, mate. <laughs> you're, you're chasing around two. And uh, he's been on tour his whole life. And and it's not like it's not like rugby, I guess. If you're playing rugby week in, week out, you're always going home. Like, you know, you're away for like a max one week or two weeks. Or if you're on an end-of-year tour, you're away for a month, right? It's, um, it's not like that with cricket. You're consistently away from home long periods of time. I think back to... One year, I think Brendan McCullum in that World Cup year, 2015, spent eight nights at home in his own bed. So that's what the life of an international cricketer is, and and that's um, that's obviously got to weigh you down. And and I think I think he's made a decision that's yeah for his family first and foremost. Um, the interesting part about it for me, mate, is is how does New Zealand cricket deal with this? Um, I, I mentioned previously that like myself and Munro and and Devisic all got blacklisted as soon as we did it. Adam Milne got a little bit of leeway. Um, but now you've got a situation where you've got probably New Zealand's most crucial cricketer, uh, you know, outside of obviously Kane Williamson, uh, most crucial cricketer to our success going forward. And he's made this decision. And and do the rules change? And, and if so, they've got to change for someone like a Jimmy Neesham as well. Uh, so they need to be treated the same. So, look, my perspective on it, mate, is that um, I've always thought the T20 comps around the world give guys on the fringe a really good opportunity to go and get four or five times the amount of cricket that they would uh, 
any just playing domestic cricket in New Zealand and, and with really, really high-quality coaches and players around them, uh, I've always thought it's a good thing. Um, and I think we're seeing that uh, in this t- uh, sorry in this T20 series against West Indies. You've got guys like Glenn Phillips and, and Nisham and the likes who have all gone and played CPL, Guthrie's played CPL, going into conditions that are not like New Zealand. But they're going over playing like they've been there for five years because half of them have. But these touring, they still tour by going to these international competitions, and it seems they're getting longer and longer, Mitch. Ten weeks for the IPL now, isn't it? Uh, The new UAE competition, which uh, Trent Bolt has signed for, runs from January to February, right in the heart of our season. So um, is the dam starting to break here? That there is going to be more people going to New Zealand cricket? Maybe not at the status that Trent Bolt has it playing across three formats going, um, I, I want out. Right, there's a big difference between the comps and, and New Zealand cricket in terms of how the players get looked after. Um, yes, New Zealand cricket accommodate guys when they're at home, but there was a there was a deal where you could take your family away, uh, like when I was playing, and I know that got taken away in the previous contract rounds where they pay some for flights for your family to go. So for Trent to take his family away with New Zealand, it's all at his own expense. Uh, from, from my understanding, these comps like the teams that like the Mumbai Indians who, have, who are doing the UAE thing with with Balti, they'll fly his family there. Like there's there's no that's straight out of their pocket. They'll pay for an extra room. They'll pay for them to go business class. Make sure they're all set up. Have family people there to help with the family. Um, it's a, just a different in those leagues. Um, they really really go the extra mile to make sure people like Trent Bolt who do have family family involved are really, really well looked after. And, and that definitely sounds like, for me, that's one of the things that I probably missed the boat with. And that would be one of the frustrations with New Zealand cricket, with Trent not being able to take his family as much as he would like, um, unless it was out of his own pocket. I know he's got deep pockets, but he's got really short arms, Trent Bolt. <laughs> well, I, I can just imagine some listeners going, Mitch, you, you're just painting this image of you just want to be pampered. You just want to be pampered. You, you want all these organisations to bend over backwards for you players. Um, but here's the thing. Once you fly business class, it's hard to go back to cattle, isn't it? And, and once these, you know, <laughs> once you've had a taste of that, it's hard to forget it, isn't it? Oh, yeah, no, it's, I guess, no, I guess probably that's, you take that out of, out of what I said, I guess it's, um, yeah, it's not, not really the point. The point is that, like, um, they definitely go the extra mile to make sure your family's okay, because, because they yeah. know if you're happy at home, like everything's, you know, you're not having the stress. And, and that's what I found with most of those teams. And it was probably a big part of his decision to actually sign with the UAE with that Mumbai site. Because he's, he's been with Mumbai before. Um, he knows what they do and knows what they'll do to help out his family. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's probably more, more of that. And he knows that he'll be able to take them or, or spend more time at home outside of that. Yeah, I think it's... Um, it's just one of those little things that you, you can find money for, for a lot of employees at New Zealand Cricket, but sometimes you can't find money to look after the people who matter the most in, yeah. in terms of promoting cricket in the country. But they are sort of changing their perspective, their worldview in New Zealand Cricket. As you talked about, you butted heads um, and others too, because that's the path you wanted to take. It was best for you. I, I think that was, um, you know, that, that's crystal clear to anyone who's actually, uh, you know, watched the game. Do you feel what they've reluctantly come around to this, or it's just taken some time for for the penny to drop? And um, is this going to become more prevalent? Is Tim Sowley going to ask? You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, look, 
It's, I, I guess Saudi would be the next person who will probably be lining it up. Um, look, mate, I, it's a really difficult one because I feel like you, you've got to be on side with guys being able to go and do this and then still play for their country. Otherwise, you end up in a situation that the West Indies are in at the moment. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you've seen the stuff with Phil Simmons and Andre Russell over the last little while. That's not a new thing. It was with Tyron Pollard and the Bravos previously. It's just a constant with Darren Semi, with Chris Gale. Just a constant battle between the board, not letting guys play for international but not earn money as well. And, and putting these restrictions on players if you want to play for your country um, when you can't remunerate them to the same level. And, and all it does is just builds um, resentment, animosity within a playing group. It's us versus them. And you get the young guys coming through and, and doing all the right stuff. But uh, it's 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 a it's a really fascinating track, and and I think they should probably look at the West Indies as a model, and actually maybe just try and figure out how they can do it better. Because right now uh, they're they're absolute shambles. Uh, and I I've been in the West Indies changing rooms in the past with CPL, and mate, there's going to be a hell of a lot of infighting going on at the moment. That's for sure. Yeah, well, you take the, this morning's result, but they looked a mile off, didn't they? Um, most of the credit needs to go to New Zealand. That was near, near on perfection, isn't it, when you scored 215 and you had the opposition 28 for 5. Mitch, that's a pretty good day out. Yeah, it is. Um, Kane said at the toss um, that they really wanted to get in. It was a used wicket. Obviously, the game they used in the first day, and, and uh, the wickets really deteriorated very quickly um, in the West Indies. Um, and to, to bat first on that wicket uh, was ideal. Um, uh, spin plays a massive part, and Mitchell Satin is absolutely class, mate. Um, but, yeah, you say you see that West Indies side. Glenn Phillips, I mean, he's been one of the best players, along with Colin Munro and, and the CPL for the last three or four years. Mm. So to have, have someone like that who's played that much cricket in those conditions and at Jamaica, uh, that's his home ground in the CPL. You can see why he dominated today. But oh, I looked at that um, that West Indies bowling lineup, mate. And, and Kyle, Kyle Mayers, who, who opened the batting, opened the bowling, he's a, a genuine batting all-rounder. He's a real part-timer. Romario Shepard, he's a batting all-rounder, like a hitter who can bowl the odd overs. The only real bowler out of our bowl is Oded McCoy. Jason Holder's an all-rounder, and Odin Smith's a batting all-rounder. So they're going in with a pretty piss-poor attack, to be fair, mate, at that level. So they're missing a lot of genuine bowlers. And you can't go with bit-part players uh, into a T20 comp against... Uh, arguably, I would say our best lineup uh, uh, that I've seen New Zealand cricket put out in uh, a T20 game for, for for some time. So this is probably the lineup that I would have uh, the makeup of this side. Uh, obviously, barring missing Lockie Ferguson, this is what I would have loved to have seen throughout the World Cup. Well, thank you for getting to my next question. So you read my mind. You know, all those times we co-hosted together, it makes perfect sense. That looked incredibly strong lineup on my notes. It, it reads, that, that is the squad, isn't it? That's the squad you'd like to see. So Trent Bolt goes to a T20 World Cup, doesn't he? Despite him uh, asking for a release. He's too good a player right now, and you, you want to do everything to win this tournament right now, don't you? That, that's fast approaching. Well, I think every pinnacle event you want to do the most to win, um, and you've got you to take all the crap out of it. Um, you know, they've, they've shown that they're, you know, even by not contracting Jimmy Neesham and him not taking a domestic contract, they've played him. But they've got to be fair. They can't just pick and choose when they use these guys. Uh, I guess it's got to be both ways, right? Um, a, a lot of these T20 tournaments around the world are very flexible. If a guy's got international cricket to go back and play, they'll release him. 
so that's also got to be taken into account as well. I thought the side looked great, mate. Um, I, I, I'm look. I'm, I'm biased, uh, but I, <laughs> I look at it. Yeah, got an injury, in, injury in the in the middle order. I, I really, I really feel going to Australia. I really feel like they need to start integrating Colin Munro back into that setup. Um, he's too good. He's too good a player. He's been too good in the Big Bash for for multiple years. I feel like even if he's not starting, I feel like he's your he's your A one back up in that middle order, um, which gives you a little bit more leeway if if you want to drop down 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 a slot and have a deeper order. I mean, those nations bowling really kicks in. So, yeah, you know, those, those that's the one thing I would like them to see uh, in a squad before this before the T uh, Twenty World Cup. Uh, I think. He, He's been on the blacklist, but I really feel with this bolt stuff, I think you've got to take him off. Yeah. If you just look solely at his numbers, it's a pretty compelling case, isn't it, Mitch? Hey, uh, is there any chapters dedicated to uh, Mitch McClellan in Black and White, the uh, autobiography from Ross Taylor out this week? There <laughs> uh, was one I got asked to be in there, but I just couldn't be bothered dealing with the <laughs> shit. So... <laughs> When's your book coming out? And it'll probably be a picture book, wouldn't it? Uh, I do like picture books. Um, I'm thinking uh, I'd love to write a book of um, all those blokes who uh, had potential but failed. Uh, I'd love to to write a book like that rather than being about about myself. Um, You know, all those guys you hear coming up, uh, what happened and where were they? Uh, I'd love something like that. That'd be a good read. Well, Grant Elliott will write the forward to that for sure. Um, yeah, he'll definitely write the forward to that one. Hey, you're a good man, Mitch. We, I always love chatting to you, mate. Go have a great weekend. Thanks so much. Yeah, you too, mate. You too. Mitch McClinigan joining us on the program, as always, uh, very strong with his ideas. Um, yeah, really interesting. You know, playing fields are shifting all the time, aren't they? Um, can't be, it can't be easy keeping everyone happy um, in cricket for sure. You know, selfishly, as I said earlier in the program, I'd love uh, Trent Bolt to play for as much for New Zealand as possible. Um, I hope that is the case. We will take a short break. It is 13 away from 12 o'clock. Stay with us. Eight and a half minutes away from 12 o'clock. Daniel McCarty and Ben Francis today. No Grant Elliott. Where is Grant Elliott? Should be on a plane, right? Shouldn't it be on a plane? That's what he told us. Couldn't even. He told us he couldn't even take a call from us this Saturday, Ben. Yeah, that's that's right. And just having a look on Instagram before, and it was and about an hour ago when he said he should be on the plane, he, there's a video of him uh, swinging some golf balls at a driving range. So I'm not too sure exactly what is happening there. Bit suspicious. A bit suspicious indeed. A bit suspicious indeed. Um, okay, that's nice. Um, Mitch, if you're listening, you might be there might be a spot up up for grabs next weekend. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the bottom of this. Uh, news out of the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, they have announced an overseas import uh, just a, a few minutes ago on social media. Uh, news Brazilian playmaker Jan Sussi joins the team for the upcoming season. They've secured uh, him for the 2022-23 A-League season, for which we will have uh, coverage of all the uh, uh, men's games in the uh, Hyundai A-League. Oh, no, it's Isuzu now, isn't it? Uh, I think our manufacturer has taken over the naming sponsor. My humble apologies. Yeah, the Brazilian attacking midfielder Jan Sussi has joined the Phoenix on a one-year deal after obtaining 
a New Zealand work visa. Um, hurriedly bringing up uh, one of his uh, pages um, to find out uh, where he has come from. Um, I think uh, most recently, most recently has been playing um, in South America with the America Football Club. Uh, more details to come, but uh, that uh, announcement has been confirmed just uh, a few minutes ago. The eighth on, Brazilian uh, Wellington... to sign for the Phoenix. Oh God, could I name them all? Oh, there was, of course, the magnificent uh, Cleverson, George Pelladini, Felipe, um, Daniel Cortez, of course. He was a real hit. Claire Burson, um, Cleverson. Claire Burson's a bit of a joke based on an old uh, television ad. Uh, was it a radio ad? Um, so I've got halfway. Diego, um, he turned up and did lots of running around the field, uh, recovering from an injury. Didn't play much for them. Um, I'm searching for three more. Uh, they're all going to be pretty obvious, and I'll feel quite embarrassed. But now that I have got the official story from the Wellington Phoenix's website, um, the attacking midfielder, Jan Sussi, has joined the Phoenix on a one-year deal after obtaining his work visa. The 25-year-old has played 47 games in Brazil's top division and has uh, played a season in the Turkish Super League as well. A Phoenix head coach, uh, Ufuk Tale, says the left-footed playmaker is similar but different to Bulgarian attacking at midfield. Uh, uh, Krajev, who they've uh, also signed, he's a South American 10, so he's technically good on the ball, explosive, and is good in one-on-one situations. He'll bring balance to our midfield. He'll have a player, will have a player that can create goal-scoring opportunities while also scoring goals. Uh, he's played as a winger previously, so he can do that job defensively out wide too. Jan uh, is expected to fit in off the field. I've spoken to him over the phone, and he seems like a very good person. Um, and like he'll be a good character in the change room, I'm just looking forward to working with him. He'll become the eighth Phoenix uh, uh, player who is Brazilian, and the first since, of course, Guy Finkler in 2017. Wow. That was that was a big money splash under the Uni Merrick regime, but I think people were keen to drive him to the airport after a few months. Um, he, he really didn't live up to his... Um, his uh, big billing. So uh, news there for the uh, Wellington Phoenix. He'll wear the uh, number 31 jersey. Jan Sussi has joined the team in Sydney and has a chance of making his Phoenix debut in Wednesday nights, a round of uh, 16 Australia Cup match against Melbourne City. So there's some breaking news uh, for football fans uh, and uh, the fans of the Wellington Phoenix. The wind-up music is coming up. Uh, that means we've got to head to a break. Uh, if you want to join the show, you still can. 0800 or you can text us double eight double three. Keep those messages coming through. In the next hour, the big feature will be our Saturday session, Legends, uh, with one Hayden Ralston. Talk about uh, his cycling career. Also, keep your Sleep Drops Performance of the Week nominations coming through. We've got a prize pack thanks to the team at Sleep Drops to give away. Stay with us. We are Grant Elliott Liss. Uh, my name is Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is alongside. We take you through till 1 o'clock. We'll catch up with Clado and the team to find out what they've got planned after 1 on the good oil. Uh, we'll give you our sporting uh, punch. You probably should run a mile from. Uh, mine's going to be Sir Graham Henry inspired. Do you like it, Ben Francis, when someone tells you how to act as a fan? I don't really like anyone telling me how to act at all, to be fair. Yeah, that's, yeah I, 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 I can detect that. Detect that. You know, good at taking advice sometimes when you're being told what to do. Um, I, I, I do wonder um, 
some of those uh, critics of the All Blacks will feel if they read um, Sir Graham Henry's opinion piece at the New Zealand Herald today, telling us we all should be a team of five million, we all should get them behind, uh, the All Blacks. Uh, and I'm sure this mantra would probably parlayed into every aspect of life, um, that we all should be behind uh, moving in one. It's not how the world works, though, is it, Ben? Is that why we not both have black on works. today? Yes, because we're a team of five million. We're all moving the same parts. Of course. Uh, paths. Uh, do read that. It's quite interesting. Um, you know, I think it's it's fair to call out the critics. Uh, there has been uh, you know, a lot of criticism. I've been involved in that, for sure. It's all part of the nature. It's all part of this job. Um, but uh, a really interesting take there from uh, Sir Graham Henry. I highly recommend you go have a read at uh, the New Zealand uh, Herald because apparently you can do your part in making the All Blacks uh, feel um, well-supported from back here. I'm not sure how that's going to work. Hope they do uh, improve, show a, a big improvement, uh, that one tomorrow morning. Uh, to the NRL, we do go last night. It was the Warriors with the, with the pressure off somewhat, having uh, you know no chance of making the playoffs. Uh, they showed uh, real uh, zest on attack early in the game and in the, then in the final quarter as they blew away uh, their opponent, the Doggies, last night as he hurriedly tries to bring up his uh, NRL uh, ladder. There it is. Um, a convincing scoreline for sure, racking up 46 points. Uh, the Warriors, good start. Somehow the, the Dogs got themselves back at 18 apiece, a but uh, some magic over the last uh, quarter with four tries, I think three in the last 10 minutes, uh, seeing the Warriors get the results uh, there. As far as the uh, the NRL, we go to our uh, lead NRL correspondent on the Saturday session. He is, of course, producer extraordinaire, um, Mr. Ben Francis. Um, as I bring up the ladder, the uh, the Roosters currently holding on to that all-important eighth position now, aren't they? They've got the Raiders and the Seagulls and the Dragons. Raiders on 22, Dragons and Seagulls are on 20. So there are a couple of wins outside the eight. Is there, is there enough runway for the Eagles and the Dragons to be considered playoff contenders here? If it was me, I don't really see the Roosters getting caught. I think they're going to hold on to that position. You see even next week, uh, Seagulls are playing the Sharks. Dragons are winnable against the Titans. And even the week after, Raiders, Seagulls, and that's going to be a, a very important matchup uh, there. But I'd, I'd say the Roosters, the Roosters are on a bit of a roll at the moment and they should hold on uh, and sneak into the finals. And from that bottom half of the, the top eight, they should really cause a couple of upsets. Uh, the the Seagulls fans, I wonder how their fans are feeling. It's, it's, they haven't won since their players took the knee to not wear a certain jersey, uh, which left my head spinning, uh, considering where they were in the context of the season. Um, do you think those group of players might cop a fair bit of um, you know, grief if they do miss out on the eight in the end? You'd say so. You know, you always go back and look at crucial points of the season, especially in competitions like this, whether it's NRL, Premier League, whatever it is, and you're always going to look back and think, if this didn't happen, then we could have been in a very completely different spot. And clearly that that dominated the headlines as as we knew a couple of weeks ago. We had George Clark on talking about it, and he was talking about it's probably one of the most bizarre things he's ever come across covering rugby league and all the controversy at, at dominate and, and the headlines and overtaking other uh, headlines around the NRL. Of course, that week there was that controversial finish in the Tigers-Cowboys game and this yes. just completely stole it and 
dominated the chat and as you say with the losses it kind of mounts and kind of thinking oh can, everything continually gets brought back to that one moment and it could be even the same with the Raiders you know without their coach this week as well if they miss out or come back to was that the moment that that kind of cost it for them so four games remaining isn't it and the Seagulls like a lot of these teams seemingly have two very winnable ones have two very difficult ones um, that seems to be matched uh, almost across the board of these contenders so it'll be very interesting to see uh, when all is said and done, uh, Ben Francis has stuck his neck out and actually said uh, the Roosters uh, will hold on to that uh, final spot. So uh, all the other teams will be on the outside, and I'm sure Seagulls fans will deal with it well. And I'm sure Ricky Stewart will be very measured um, as his side would finish outside the eight, uh, the eight as it currently uh, stands, Ben. There's no way he would re- overreact to missing out on the playoffs. He might call, I don't think he'll call anyone a weak-gutted dog this time. He might regret. Weak-gutted. I don't know, those poor weak gutted dogs out there. Who would have thought? Uh, so that's a look at the NRL as far as the remainder of the games uh, for this uh, round, which, of course, is a round that has seen the uh, Storm beat the Panthers 16-0 on Thursday night. That was a surprise to many, uh, with the Panthers especially putting up a, a donut in that game. The Warriors big last night over the Bulldogs, 42 points to 18. Uh, finally got that score correct. And the Rabbitohs, who have built quite a bit of momentum, 26-0 over the Eels. Uh, so you've had two shutouts in three games so far. The remainder of the game, see the Roosters up against the Cowboys. That is a tough one for the Roosters, for sure, as they fight to hold on to that uh, eighth position. You've got the Tigers up against the Sharks. should say the Sharks uh, sweep aside the Tigers there, surely. Uh, the Broncos up against the Knights. Uh, that's also tonight. And then Sunday, you've got the, the Raiders up against the Dragons. A really interesting uh, contest there with two sides who mathematically still in with a chance, but on the outside at the eight, uh, you would uh, you know you know put a fork in the team that loses this one uh, for sure. The Titans up against the Sea Eagles uh, wraps up the uh, round with that one kicking off at five to five past six uh, tomorrow. That's a quick look at the NRL. Good luck to all the sides. We'll be right across it here on SENZ. It is seven minutes after 12 o'clock. It is time to head to a break, but up after that, it is time for our Saturday Session Legends segment. Uh, we will be delighted to welcome into the program one Hayden Ralston, who has uh, quite the uh, story career in uh, cycling for sure. Think legendary care. Think Somerset Retirement Villages, our Saturday Session Legends, in association with Somerset, up after this. No Grant Elliott today. Come on, it's okay. We'll get over it. He will be back uh, next week. Ben uh, Francis is with me. Uh, we take you through to 1 o'clock. We'll catch up with Clayton on the team as far as what's coming up after 1. And we'll have our sporting punts uh, that you should probably run a mile from. But over the last few months and the months to come, we've been uh, digging into our sporting past and catching up uh, with athletes uh, to talk about their storied careers. We call it the Saturday Session Legends in association with uh, Somerset. Uh, two wheels. Cycling is our game this week. Uh, we've got a former Olympic medalist on the program uh, who I think was competing at the very highest level through to about 2016. He'd done it for well over a decade, you know, approaching two decades. Uh, an incredible career he did have, and we are delighted to welcome into the program. And it's very timely considering uh, what has happened at the Commonwealth Games with the swag of medals for New Zealand. I think... Of the 20 Commonwealth Games golds, we won 10 were from cycling. Uh, I wonder if he had a big smile on his face uh, seeing the uh, the class of 2022 do particularly well. But we are going to talk about his career. Uh, we are thrilled to welcome in Hayden Ralston, who joins us from probably a very busy Saturday somewhere down south. How are you, Hayden? Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Thanks very much for having me. You nice and busy today? Yeah, 
You've already been out for a cycle? Uh, no, no cycle. No exercise at all today. It was uh, chasing kids around a soccer patch, so uh, busy wee morning. Well, chasing kids around a patch, that does sound like exercise to me, Hayden. I know you set very, very high bars with regards to what you can put your body through, but I think you can give a, a tick on you've achieved something today physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all, all, all good fun following the kids, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, well, have you have you wet them on bikes already? Because, because I, 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 you know, reading about your past, it sounds like your entry point into cycling was a family affair, was it not? Yeah, it's a bit of an interesting story. So it was definitely in my genes. Uh, my dad raced and his brothers raced. Um, you know, I've got very old photos of me uh, sitting on a racing bike on a bike crack on the back of the old Cortina car. You know, so it was definitely <laughs> in my genes. But um, I sort of did every sport when I was uh, really young. Well, pretty much every sport apart from cricket. And um, my real, my first real love of wheels was probably BMXing, um, and that sort of led me into into track cycling, which led me to road cycling. Oh, so, so what age did you make that shift in, into the track cycling, for example? Um, I started track cycling probably when I was about twelve or thirteen, somewhere around there, maybe 11, 11, 12. I was sort of playing rugby up until that point as well. So, um, but from about from about 13 onwards, I started to do a lot more cycling, and then and then I sort of dropped everything when I was probably about 14, 14, I think, and just focused completely on cycling. All oh, right, so you could have been a great All Black, is what you're telling us. You know, what time of footy, what oh, time of footy know, player I were you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Oh, mate, 12, 13, getting into to track cycling. Mate, I, I can hardly walk around one of those tracks without getting vertigo. Uh, yeah, they're, they're quite harrowing things when you when you don't know what you're doing. So, so what was that experience like? Um, you know, getting onto the track and competing for the first time. Yeah, well, you've got to remember, like we were brought up on, um, like a lot of sort of my era were brought up on really big, four hundred meter or bigger outdoor tracks, which are basically pan flat compared to what we race on today. You know, um, so I still remember going to Wanganui, going from a four hundred meter pan flat track here in Canterbury to a 250-metre wooden um, banking that are like 40 degrees. I tell you what, I thought, I just didn't know how I was going to stay up on, on two wheels, you know. Um, it was daunting. But, um, hey, you get out there and you do it, it always looks way worse than it is. And, um, and when you get out there and, and you do it, it's just it's such a thrill, eh? When you made the shift full-time, getting away from all those other recreational sports you were involved in, what what decided that? Was it... Actually, I'm quite good at the sport. I need to dedicate myself. You know, can, can you walk us through that step? Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, I think I probably enjoyed it more, to be honest. Um, I wouldn't say I had uh, a natural ability uh, as a cyclist. I mean, I remember, you know, many, many years, many races, uh, you know, thinking to myself, you know, well, like, what, what the heck is going wrong? You know, because I wasn't winning, winning lots of races. But there was a turning point when I was about 15, when I won um, double t- two titles at the Elite Road Nationals in Timaru, um, that, sorry, under-17 Road Nationals. And from that point on, I realised that, hey, maybe I can do this. So that's when I started to really apply myself and started to push the boat out a little bit more as to what I was capable of. And it sort of um, did my, my career sort of kicked off from that point, really. Right, so at, at that point of kick-off, What's in your mind about what you want to achieve? Because there seems to be many paths you can go. The, the track cycling, of course, 
uh, but the professional, the professional world, whether it's in Europe, North America, was that in your sights already? Had you clearly sort of mapped out how your career might shake down? Yeah, no, yes and no. Like, I mean, I knew, I knew that I wanted to. I still have really fond memories of the uh, theme music, like Barcelona Olympics and Sydney Olympics. You know, there always used to be a theme song. I still remember coming home from school and flicking it on and, and hearing that theme music. So, Olympics, Tour de France, all that sort of stuff is what I wanted to do. Um, I guess the message is, I knew what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I was going to get there. And um, and to be perfectly honest, that's all you need to know, right, is, is what you want to do because so many people walk around their life not knowing what they want. Um, I knew from a really young age that, that I wanted to race at a really high level, Tour de France. I mean, you know, Dad used to video all the uh, stages in the middle of the night. It wasn't the luxury that we have today where you can watch it live. Um, and then I'd get up the next morning and watch them. Uh, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had no clue how hard it would be to get to that level, but um, I did know from a pretty young age that that's what I wanted to do. Did you always want to juggle the track and, and the road too? Was, was that always in your thinking, I'd like to do both here? Yeah, I, I, it always worked for me. Um, nowadays it works even better because the gearing is so much bigger on the track than what it was when I was racing, even though back when I was racing the track, that gearing was massive as well. Um, but yeah, so for me, they both work really well together. I, I was always good on the track when I was doing heavy road, and I was always good on the road when I was doing heavy track, you know. So for me, they work really well together. Um, there was a period of time about, probably about well, one or two Olympic cycles ago, when uh, it went really heavy gym, and, um, you know, they, they, they took the aerobic side of it out of it, trying to get, you know, stronger and more powerful. Um, but that didn't work. It only got you so fast to a certain certain point. So now they've actually brought way more road in, um, and it's almost gone. You know, uh, it's almost done the full circle back to what it was when I was racing, where road and track are equally important to each other. Hayden Ralston is our guest. He's our Saturday session legend for this week. I should say Hayden Ralston. Uh, uh, MNZM, let's not forget that. Um, born in Ashburton, uh, professional career in cycling and a very storied one uh, representing New Zealand. And those sort of, they combined in 2002. And, you know, just doing my own research, 2002 seemed like a very big year for you, Hayden. You represent New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games. I think you, you pick up a bronze there. But you also turned professional. Um, you, a massive year for someone so young, right? Yeah, it was a huge year. You know, to think it was 20 years ago today, really, that I had my first foray into, into the Commonwealth Games. Um, and like you say, bronze medal, which it, it, um, it was such a big moment. Like I still, those, you know, the Commonwealth Games in uh, Manchester, they still, they still rank up there as one of my, the best games I went to. Um, but yeah, like you say, turning professional, like that there for me is probably my biggest achievement in my career is actually signing a professional contract. Like it's, it's, I liken it to some of these rugby players signing their first all-black contract, you know, like there's so many people that want to do it, but there's only a select few that actually get the chance to sign on that dotted line. So, you know, for me, it was, um, it was, it was pretty amazing to, to get that opportunity to, you know, go over there and do those couple of really tough years I had to do as an amateur in France, speaking um, no French at all and having to learn it on uh, SWAT cards, you know. So it was just... There was so much hard work that went into signing that pro contract. And then, you know, obviously going to the Commonwealth Games and representing New Zealand in my first major competition. Um, 
you know, it was a it was a dream year, and I guess that sort of set my um my you know the direction of the rest of my career as well. Were you ready for it? Were you ready to be a pro? Uh, I was ready, hundred percent. I went so my two years as amateur in France. Um, the first year it took me a long time, even though I was probably one of the strongest in the first year. I went to France. Um, the results weren't showing it because I wasn't learning how to race properly in France. I was the strongest in the first half of every race, but of course, when the you know when the push came to shove at the end of the race, I, I you know burnt all my matches. So it took me actually the first year of learning to understand how to win in France. Um, and then, you know, I went back the second year. I won two races the first year. I went back the second year and I won nine races. I, was, I think I was the number two ranked amateur in France up until, like, you know, July or August um, at that point in the, in the year, which is pretty phenomenal for an a international. Um, and then I just knew I knew I needed to take that next step, and that next step was, uh, you know, trying to get a professional contract. But, you know, we seemed, you know I was luckily, really lucky to have a French family looking after me. They basically take care of everything. They put a really nice CV together, along with all my track results, road results, um, physiological testing. We sent it to about oh, over 30 professional teams, and I got one reply. And that one reply was not even for pro, a pro team. It was for the under-23 team to level down. Um, and then, you know, it was so disappointing that, you know, to think that I was winning, you know, some very big races in France as an amateur, and I got one team interested in me, you know. So, um, long story short, I went and tested for that team. They saw my test results. And then they wanted me for the big pro team. Um, and then I ended up signing for another pro team. So, yeah. It's a cutthroat world over there. And I think, you know, for me, who dips in and out of following the sport, I don't really have a grasp of how cutthroat it is. The lengths these teams um, ask of you athletes. Um, you know, it's a pretty colourful history in cycling too, what, what what some athletes would do to win as well. Just just how stressful and cutthroat an environment what were, were the professional ranks throughout your years? Yeah, it was. But at, at the same time, I, I remember my early years professional. Like, I mean, um, you know, like, I mean, I was just, I, I just wanted it, you know. You've, gotta, you've just got to have that internal drive and want it more than everyone else because, like you say, it is cutthroat. There is, you know, let's say a thousand amateurs all trying to turn professional and they only hand out, you know, 20 odd professional contracts a year. Um, you know, you've got to be the guy that wants it the most. And, you know, I remember that first year as an amateur. I mean, I, I went up the back of a car and crashed and I did both knees and I was just ringing home to mum and dad. And thank God we didn't have a lot, a lot of money back in those days. Otherwise, they would have put me on a plane and come home, you know. Um, that was just the reality of it. I, I didn't have a choice. I was over there to try and, you know, achieve this dream, and um, I just wanted it more than everyone else. And that's that's what you see now with these athletes that are coming through. The ones that really want it and prepare to, you know, roll with the punches and, you know, because um, as an athlete, I mean, you lose way more than you win, right? So, you know, those athletes that can actually get up after a hard knock and, and keep moving forward, they're the ones that make it. So... Yeah, it, it was tough, and it, it is cutthroat, but it's a really rewarding um, sport. I mean, sport in general is rewarding if you put the hard yards in. Is there a highlight of, you know, this is a professional career you had for over 10 years, right? So it, it's hard to actually, um, you know, highlight one or two moments from, from my perspective. But but you, what, what gave you the most satisfaction throughout those years? Um, I mean, at the time, it probably didn't... It, even though the Olympic Games, you know, rank so highly and um, it's probably my most proudest moment, 
at the time, it didn't seem that big a deal, you know, because it was just what we <laughs> yeah. were doing. And it, it's really only looking back now and knowing how hard it is to win an Olympic medal that I actually am um, appreciated a bit more. You know, like you take, I took a lot of stuff for granted as an athlete. And to be honest, if I could turn back the clock and go and rewrite a few things, I would, I would do it because I'd do it differently, you know. But um, yeah, I think, um, you know, um, you know, the Olympics, I mean, it's a, it's probably the um, you know the, the big turning point in my career where you know my name, especially when the Olympics is talked about, like I'm you know I'm known as someone that, that went and got those medals. But um, yeah, listen, it was it was amazing. I was really fortunate to have the, the length of career I did. I wasn't all plain sailing. I had a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and probably way more downs than some other athletes have today. Um, but I was really lucky to have a good good core group behind me always. And um, even when I went off track a few times, you know I was able to thankfully pull myself back on track did it did it almost end before it started i do remember you you've had some significant injuries like every cyclist has but but you had a regular heart but you were told to stop cycling immediately that that was almost early in your professional career was that a moment you thought god they're going to take it away from me i haven't really started yep no you're 100 percent right that was in 2006 and um it was all taken away from me really i mean i had to retire um, it was quite a big ordeal, and I just remember thinking exactly that. It's, it's gone, you know, and I was just thinking, oh, what can I do to get it back? So, yeah, I mean, I was really, really fortunate just to meet an amazing lady, come to my life at the right time, um, took me down the natural path, and, um, you know, I mean, my best my best years come after that, you know. So I'm, 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 it was definitely just about over before it started, that's for sure, but I was very, very lucky to um, meet my Reiki lady who led me down a, a, a path that I'll um, never forget. So back on the path, you're back better, you start winning. A lot of New Zealanders will remember the 2008 Beijing Olympics very fondly for what you did. When you look back now, how do you reflect upon, you know, silver in the individual pursuit, bronze in the team pursuit? Um, you know, a lot of athletes we speak to think, oh, God, I could have done this differently. Is this one of the... Uh, you know, chapters you like to rewrite differently or you reflect now on 2008 as that, that was the perfect meet for me. I, I did everything I possibly could. I don't think I lived to my full potential as an athlete. So that's one regret I've got and it's, it's definitely one message I try and get across to athletes today is just have no regrets, you know. Um, you know, like little things, little things I wish I could have done better around nutrition and stuff. Stuff I'm really passionate about today. You know, like there's just there's always something you can do better. You know, the, you know the Team Sky, the massive professional team in um, in the UK that when Tour de France with Bradley Wiggins and riders like this, like they're always talking about one percent. You know, like get that one percent extra, like do one percent better every day, and um, and it's actually true. You know, so um, the Olympics. I wish if I could go back and rewrite it, it would be believe that I was capable of winning because I physically was capable but mentally I was overawed by the the guys riding in the final and, and things like that and plus you know what I only really started doing the individual pursuit earlier in that year I didn't have a whole lot of like really successful individual pursuits under my belt I really I literally only had probably two you know so I wish I just had more belief um, and you know and then I could have really really had a crack at, at trying to beat them um, but yeah, you know what? It's easy to look back and say, "I wish I could have done this or that better." But you've got to do the best of what you've got as well. And um, I'm I'm very very proud of every result I've got. And the Olympics were uh, an amazing um, spectacle. And 
you know, to, to be someone at the Olympics that got two medals from one game is, is pretty pretty cool. That's kind of amazing. You feel like you were like in your infancy as far as a pursuit rider when 2008 arrived, that if you'd had another six months, 12 months, 18 months, uh, and really worked at your craft, you know, understand the element of racing, um, you, you could have hit high heights. Definitely, yeah, 100%. Um, but it's just the way it goes, right? Um, you know, I still remember the team, team pursuit really fondly as well, and I often get asked, like, you know, what, what was the better result? you know, the second or the third. And, um, you know, to, we, we beat Australia to win a bronze medal, whereas I lost to Bradley Wiggins to win a silver. You know, they're very different emotions. Um, even though, you know, second outranked third, but the emotion we had beating Australia for that bronze write-off, it was like we won gold anyway. You know, it was, it was absolutely yeah. amazing. It's, it's something we still talk about today, like beating Australia to get the bronze. When Australia had beaten us every single time in the lead up, you know, the years leading up to the Olympics, so it was um, interesting those two emotions between the two medals. Yeah, it would have been nice to beat a knight, but beating Australia, no, nothing gets better than that, right, Hayden? Nothing gets better than that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. To explain to the, those listening this sensation of of riding, whether it's on the track or out of the road. If you're charging, you know, charging down. Hell going at, I don't know what speed you could actually uh, get up to. I, I'd imagine the sensations could be quite overwhelming, but are you in a bubble? Do, do you hear, smell everything? Describe what it's like being on, on the saddle, charging around. Yeah, there's, um, sometimes you can be on the saddle biting your skin because it's hurting so much, but then there's those, there's those you know, one or two days of your career. Like, I, I can vividly remember one or two days when I got on that bike and I felt like I had no chain. I felt like I was going downhill the whole time. It just felt so effortless and so easy. Um, days like that, I tell you, they're, they're few and far between. But when you get a day like that, it's just, that's why you do it, you know. I remember a number of um, national um, road racing here in, uh, in Canterbury where we had the nationals round um, up the Port Hills. And there was one day there in particular I felt like I just could do anything I wanted on the bike that day as well. You know, when you get days like that, it just makes everything worth it. Um, but let's be honest, nine times out of ten, you don't, and you've got to got to push through that pain pain barrier. But um, it's it's you know it's worth it at the end. Um, it's no different to anything in life. Like when you put the hard yards in, um, you know you might have to overcome some adversity along the way. But but when you get the result or you achieve a result, you know achieve achieve something, it's very very satisfying. How do you fill the competitive element these days? I try and run really fast. <laughs> and it's not that fast, but it's, uh, it's, it seems fast to me, you know. Like, um, so I just do a bit of running now, but I've just I've actually literally just bought some carbon-plated running shoes, believe it or not, and uh, to try to run a bit faster. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love the challenge of running. Um, I, uh, I I do a lot of research into it. I it just it just fills a lot of um fills a lot of uh, what would you call it? Takes a lot of boxes for me in terms of um, getting out there and pushing myself. Eh? Carbon fiber shows that the, it's not going to make you go faster. It's like a Fabian Cancerella motor in his bike or something like that. It's, it's not it's not going to make you go quicker, is it? It does. And they're really fast. Hey, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they're really, really fast. Carbon plated running shoe. I love it. Oh, brilliant. Were you always competitive? Like like as a as a kid or, or did you have to steal your 
competitiveness once you actually started competing? Looking around the room and go, holy heck, there's some there's some savages out here. No, I was definitely definitely competitive, but when you get to that level, that high level, um, it's amazing the competitiveness some people have. You know, um, you see it in you see it in the sport, you see it in the corporate world. You know, like some people are just born winners and they'll do anything they can to win. Um, but you've got to have something driving you, I, I believe. Otherwise, you know, there's too many downs for you to be able to get through them all if you don't have some form of competitive streak. Um, and that's the beauty of sport, right? That's what I, that's why yeah. I love sport, and that's yeah. why you know I see my kids now, and geez, um, my daughter. I mean, she'll never ever drop the rope in a, in a, in a tug of war. You know what I mean? Like she is. <laughs> she is so um, yeah, I'm, anticip- I'm anticipating her uh, sporting career. Hopefully, going to kick off pretty soon. Won't keep you much longer, Hayden. This is fascinating. I got so many questions I could ask. Do you miss anything? Is there anything in particular you miss? Yeah, I, I actually do, funnily enough, miss the process of training and, and, yeah. and trying to get better, you know. Uh, you know, the five-hour rides, coming home, knowing you've got no care in the world apart from laying on the couch and just <laughs> recovering. I mean, you know, you come home from work now or you come home from, you know, a run or whatever and, and the kids are screaming and, you know, every minute <laughs> you So I probably, I probably miss the... Um, you know, the time that you used to get to yourself and to be able to really, you know, train and come home, that real tired feeling in the fifth or sixth hour of a seven-hour ride, you know, like that. that I do miss that feeling, eh? Um, yeah. Funnily enough, I don't miss the racing as much as I thought I would, but definitely the training and the process is what I probably miss the most. For those weekend warriors slapping on their Lycra now to go out for a long cycle, they're probably telling everyone in the house, I'm going out for a long ride today, a long ride. Tell them the truth. What is a long ride? What's the longest ride you ever went on? In your training? Oh, yeah. Training was probably uh, probably about seven hours. Um, racing. I mean, racing. We've done uh, Milan San Remo, which is about when you put in the um, the neutral. It's probably about three hundred and twelve k. But they're chopping that out in six hours nowadays. You know, or less than sometimes. So, oh god. Um, yeah, training you always probably go a little bit longer than what you do in racing. Yeah, right, Terry. If you're listening, you're doing your ten k cycle this way. It's not a long ride, mate. Lift your game. Lift your game. Hayden, Hayden, I know you've done some coaching in recent times, but, you know, it's shameless plug time. What are, what are you doing these days? Yeah, so I did actually coach. In 2016, I retired, and I, went, I, um, I started my own private coaching uh, business, and that, that went really, really well. And then I actually was coaching our um, New Zealand development team with Fight New Zealand, which was awesome. Then I just felt late last year I needed I needed again that, that challenge that change you know I needed something to be really making me get up in the morning yeah. and go and um, you know get out there and, and achieve something and so I decided to do my real estate papers and you know four or five months into it now I'm uh, I'm a I'm a fully licensed real estate agent and I absolutely love it. Brilliant, fantastic. Well, good luck to you on that front. Um, you, you've had involvement, you know, helping develop our cyclists in the re- last couple of years. You just pointed out to us. So, as a former Olympic medalist, a former Commonwealth Games um, medalist, you've, you, you know what it takes to, to perform there. To see New Zealand bring that many golds, that many medals back as far as cycling is concerned, and it's been well litigated, the challenges cycling's had over the last few years. You know, what was your big takeaway seeing our cyclists on both track and road lead the way? Um, that hard work gets rewarded, you know, and um, I'm really, really happy that those cyclists have, have come away with the majority of the of the medals, you know, because 
I've taken a, like New Zealand in, in particular, have taken a, um, they've been hammered pretty hard the last sort of 18 months, two years. And, uh, but it was never ever the athletes' fault. So, you know, I've seen those athletes, uh, actually pull, like New Zealand back up to a positive, uh, level again is actually really, really good. Um, and, you know, it just shows that the hard work does pay off and you do get rewarded, eh? So that's probably my biggest takeaway. Aidan, it's been a real treat having you on the program. Thanks so much uh, for, for being so generous with your time today, but the significant contributions you've made to New Zealand sport, not just cycling. We wish you all the very best uh, in your next chapter. Hopefully uh, you can fill those um, you know, competitive desires and all goes well uh, down there, especially in the, in the new venture of the real estate game. Thanks so much, Aidan Ralston. It's been a, a real privilege to ch- uh, chat to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. My pleasure. Hayden Ralston, part of our Saturday session Legends segment. What a fascinating uh, career he's uh, forged for himself over 20 years. Um, competitive uh, juice still flowing very strong in that one. And I, I, having spoken to Hayden there, uh, Ben Francis, in association with Somerset, I should mention that's part of our Somerset segment, I have thought of another challenge for Grant Elliott. Go on. It is to go on a seven-hour ride with Hayden Ralston. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I like it. I like it a lot. Whether or not Hayden can still be bothered going for a seven-hour ride, he he did say he's missing the training. He's missing the training, oddly, over the racing. Maybe he'll be kind enough to take Grant out for, not not one of those, I'm going for a long ride, mate. I'm going for a 20-car today. Seven hours. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not, not for me. No, no, no thanks. But how, many, to, how, how, many, how, many, how many minutes? I'm not even going to say hours. How many minutes would you last? On a on a bike, yeah. I, following Hayden Ralston, I wouldn't last at all because I don't like. Uh, I, I'd be too scared of getting hit by a car. Oh yeah, why can't cars and cyclists just get along? And I don't know how you comfortable know? Lycra is either. There's so many angry drivers out there. Let's let's get along. Remember, drivers, when the Romans built roads, they didn't have cars. I do love that. Well, they invented roads for our cars. That was the reason, isn't it? Yeah, well, good luck out there. Remember, share the roads. Be safe. Don't be a statistic. 21 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Our huge thanks to Hayden Ralston. Hope you enjoyed that chat. I certainly did. Our coverage in association, our Saturday session legend segment, that is, in association with Somerset. Think new friends, new laughs and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. Somerset.co.nz. It is just shy of 20 minutes away from 1 o'clock. The good oil. Uh, on after one, we'll find out where they are, what they're doing today. It is 16 minutes away from 1 o'clock, 16 minutes away from Clado joining you, although he's a professional. He's not rushed to get into the microphone ever. He is ready to go, dressed in all blacks attire. He's part of Sir Graham Henry's team of 4,999,997. Uh, you, you've never re- barracked against the all blacks. How are you, Clado? Hey, hey, good, Dan. Yep, never barracked against the All Blacks. Doing it tough at the moment, though. Toughest spot we've ever been in in our life. But wore the Warriors jersey last night. We got home, so All Blacks today. Mate, we'll be two from two. Ooh, this time tomorrow. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I had Campbell Burns from Rugby News on a little bit earlier, and, and he brought up, oh, you know, this, is, this, this goes back to 1998 where we lost five tests in a row. Granted, we should have won three of those. And 1949 where we lost six tests, including twice in one day. When you're, when you're dredging up 1949, things are not rosy, are they? No, well, You've got to go that far back. At least we weren't there for that one. That's all I can say. <laughs>
You're on your own again. You were Where's your man? Uh, no, who knows, mate? He, he said he's on a plane, but according to his Instagram account, he looks like on a golf course to me, doesn't he, Ben Francis? It's, an, it's a scandal. It's an outrage. Um, and we might be... In fact, I should have said we should have our open auditions today. We should have. Maybe, maybe we'll do that next week. You should anyway, you guys are... Fl- they can get that intro music at the start of the show. That was pretty special, wasn't it? <laughs> that is very special. We can get one for you too, Clayton. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Can we get one for Clayton? It wouldn't be as good as this. Groove with me, Clayton. What have you guys got lined up for us after one, sir? Well, it is Grand National Day at Rickerton, so we've got a former top jumps jockey in Shelley Houston joining us today, making her debut on the Good Oil. And one, one of Grant's mates, he just keeps coming back, Kyle Mills. Keen for another run. Excellent. Excellent. So what, what do you do as leader of the ship to, to ease the debutante in? What advice do you give them? Well, we throw them under the bus to straight, straight off the show because uh, the surprise coming up. But I can't say what it is because Shelley's standing there listening at the moment. So <laughs> we'll say that for on air. But uh, Millsy knows what it is. He's, he's had to cop one. So, no, look, no, Shelley's um, – I did a tour of Ellerslie Hill with Shelley a couple of years ago. Went around with the public and Shelley spoke really well there and she doesn't need any help. She can talk. Oh, I like that. She's I like talker. the sound of that. So we obviously know the showpiece event today, but as far as other racing around New Zealand, what else should we keep an eye on? Yeah, we're at Tauranga today as well. So nine race card up there and they're underway there. It's heavy going at both tracks, but yeah, all eyes on Rickerton today. Just a small field. West Coast looks like it's his race to lose the Grand National, but yeah, watch out for Keystone Warrior, a keyboard warrior. Plenty of them around. Well, there's a few of them. There's a few <laughs> of them around for sure, my friend. So uh, no denying bets. that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you survived another road trip. Um, back in back in oh. back in the studios this week. Yeah, gee, it started to get cold last week, but there's an absolute buzz being on track, and yeah, let's hope we can get a few more under our belt before the season's out. All right, Clado, go have a great show. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, Clado and team coming up after one o'clock. Good luck, Shelley, on your debut. Uh, Twelve and a half minutes away from one. We will take a short break, um, and then the sporting uh, tips you should probably run a mile from has been Francis and I. Um, Give you our version of the good oil. Generally, bad oil. But back after that. All right, Ben Francis, are you with me? Are you present? Are you raring to go? I'm ready to go, Daniel. All right, let's finish off with our sporting tips. You should probably, you being the listener, uh, should probably run a mile from. Mainly because we've got a bit of a spotty track record. Um, I've been influenced. um, And I know that tomorrow morning on the other side of the world, 23 young Kiwis face one of the fiercest challenges of their lives. They're a long way. No, I'm not going to read. He's they're playing rugby, man. I know the former coach would like all of us to wave the flag and cheer without um, any opinion, negative opinion. That's not how the world works in my world. And sometimes, Ben, when you when you love something, uh, the bravest thing you can do is to highlight where the relationship has gone wrong. Starts are an issue. I stupidly last week said the All Blacks would start fast and would score a try would score the first try. I was wrong. I said South Africa would win by 12 and under. Ooh, thanks to that uh, late try, I was wrong on that front. Um, But I will stick to my guns in the sense I'm tipping South Africa by 12 and under. There you go. Um, That's the best I can do, honestly. Um, And in full consciousness of what I have seen over the last seven or eight test matches. Um, Hopefully that's patriotic enough for some. Ben Francis, what have you got? 
Well, I think like everyone who's associated with the station, we are obliged to pick the Otago Nuggets tonight. So I guess I will pick the Otago Nuggets. Uh, but as this segment is called Sporting Tips You Should Run a Mile From, I'm going to really... <laughs> You're going to embrace that. I'm going to embrace... <laughs> You're going to walk towards it. I'm going to embrace the title <laughs> name and pick the All Blacks because everyone should run a mile from that tip tonight. So you, you would put them in the massive underdog category. It would be a massive upset. Because let's be frank, if the All Blacks win tomorrow, I don't think any of us should be shocked, right? They they have talent there. Opposition's going to have bad days. They're going to have great days. I don't know. About, um, but you, you, you've got them quite far behind South Africa. Yeah, I do. And I don't know about yeah. you, Daniel, but I actually woke up last Sunday morning and I completely forgot the All Blacks were on. I, I had no idea. I, it took me about 15 minutes of scrolling through news before I actually discovered, oh, yeah, the Oh, All come Blacks on, are on, mate. The young men who will represent us tomorrow need to know what we that we stand for them. Don't they, Ben? Do they? <laughs> I, want the, I want the All Blacks to win. I want the All Blacks to win. Uh, just because I critique them and say, this is going wrong, that's not going right, uh, doesn't mean I'm supporting them. I wish them well. I just have my serious doubts. Alice Park, what an amazing place that is. I was lucky enough to call an All Blacks test at Alice Park. Um, incredible, incredible atmosphere. And if it's anything like that extraordinary test in 2013, uh, we uh, will be seriously entertained. I do hope it's more entertaining than last week. One thing um, that, in my humble opinion, hasn't really been looked at, I thought it was a pretty ugly game. I thought it was a pretty ugly game. A slight sequel game. Uh, good luck to everyone out there. Remember, gamble responsibly. Um, have a fine Saturday. The good oil with uh, Clado and team is coming up after this very short break. Um, it's four and a half minutes away from one o'clock. My name's Daniel McCarty. Huge thanks to Ben Francis, who has been immense this week. I probably will be co-hosting and producing again next week at this rate. Um, if you see Grant Elliott, say hi to him. And we'll catch up with you next Saturday. Until then, team, take it easy and come on the Nuggets. There you go, I said it.